Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome, welcome to a new edition of The Sea Report coming to you live today on this Monday, August 2nd, 2021. I'm your host, Mr. C, and here we are, ladies and gentlemen, the first Sea Report of the month of August. Um, I think that would officially put us in the, well, I guess we've been in the third quarter for a minute. I know, August, September, October. Yeah, I guess we've been in the. I guess we've been in the third quarter, but man, we're already halfway through the third quarter of the year. Uh, we're talking like one more quarter, guys. It's holiday season, and that's it. It's over. And man, it's kind of a. It's kind of a great to know. Kind of big questions like what's going to happen now that we're finally going downhill on the uh, the year, right? Like we already got to the top of the hill. Uh, we already struggled our way up. I mean, I don't know. It seems like the uh, on the way up, it wasn't too hard. But uh, this this going downhill, guys, what is going to happen as we see the reverse side of the top of the hill? I think it's going to be a very interesting time of year. Uh, they say things heat up in the summer as well as uh, towards the fall. What do we got? A hot summer and a red October. I guess we'll see what happens at least in the political spectrum and in the spectrum of uh, current events, the way things uh, tend to fly here for us on this, the planet Earth and the United States of America, they seem to have everything kind of mapped out and figured out for us. But uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I was just chatting a little bit with my pal there, my friend, Miss Just V. And I see Tam Growls made it into the chat room. How are you ladies doing tonight? Uh, very, very good. Well, you know, it's been, well, okay. So, I mean, if I were to be straight up with you guys, I had like a pretty sour stomach this morning, but uh, that's my own fault for having too much seafood yesterday. So <laughs> I won't get into that too much because, you know, it's just one of those days where you kind of recoup, but the weekend was, you know, maybe, maybe it was the, it was the beef and pork stuck in my intestines in combination with the seafood I had yesterday. I mean, the, the theories may abound, but either way, we're here and we're clear for this evening and I'm glad you guys are joining us. Now, let me just say for a fact, uh, um, this weekend was a whole lot of fun. So if any of you guys out there are not akin to the C Report and the C Channel, now we run we run the channel off of several things. Like, you know, we have it on the Foxhole app as a home base, right? So over on the Foxhole app, you will see the Mr. C Channel and... Uh, there we play, uh, if you see, like, if you notice the little ticker taper finger dingy dingy at the bottom of the screen there, uh, kind of lets you know when I'm on the air and when I'm doing my business. Uh, we have Lone Star News on Saturdays. That's with myself and the Texan. He's a co-host that's been joining me since its inception. Uh, very blessed to have the man on. And uh, so we do that Saturdays. And then, of course, we have the C Report Monday through Friday. And then Mr. C in the Dark comes out on Friday and Saturday. So we got a full schedule here. I get a day off per week, right, to do uh, to just kind of relax and and recoup if I can. Uh, but um, okay, so you know, like on Trovo, it's Mr. CTV. On Twitch, it's uh, the C Report. But we'll probably throw that over to Mr. CTV because we still air Mr. C in the Dark and Lone Star News over at Twitch. But you know, you can only change your like uh, your username like every few months. So we'll have to see if that's not expired yet or not. And then that's what we will do. 
Um, but yes, but this past weekend, for those of you who are popping in and checking things out, uh, most definitely, if you did not get to check out Mr. C in the Dark this past weekend, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, we had um, guests, the Speak Uneasy, and also Gary Flesner on Friday night. Uh, a very rousing conversation. Uh, of course, to speak uneasy also has his own live stream and podcast. So I would recommend anyone who hears this voice to go check it out. Whether you are in Foxhole or at Anchor.fm, uh, you can go ahead and check out the work that the Speak Uneasy does. Um, I think it's I think it's very coming up. It has its own niche, and uh, he definitely has a, his own voice. Uh, and brings uh, a certain, uh, well, I mean, a, a very, very uh, professional sound. It sounds more professional than my show. I can tell you that for sure. Uh, but he brings his own own perspective and also view uh, to it. And also has a very, a very smooth and soothing voice. So I would definitely check that out. Uh, Saturday night, we had uh, Anka Vanka as well as J-Bell on Mr. C in the Dark. Now, guys, I have to apologize if I was overly giggly that night but you know the mr c in the dark is a little bit more casual i mean if you couldn't notice i'm sitting here in a suit and a tie uh and uh, just trying to be you know um uh professional and presentable but mr c in the dark uh is kind of where i can just kind of relax so uh if i was overly giggly on saturday night right now here and now i do apologize uh i try not to alienate alienate myself and my guests <laughs> But I can't help it. Sometimes it happens. And and then, you know, um, for those of you who might be listening on other channels or for those of you who are not familiar with the Foxhole app and stuff like that, you know, like uh, Anka Vanka and J-Bell both have their own shows uh, that they do. Now, J-Bell, um, she does conspiracy theories on Sunday. Uh, I know that's not the name of the show and she'll probably hang me for that. Uh, no, no racism intended, uh, but uh, definitely check it out uh, for sure. And so um, we had J-Bell and Anka Vanka. Now, Anka Vanka also has her own show um that you can catch on well actually both jbell and Ankavanka, you can catch their shows on like the foxhole app primary pilled uh you know um a twitch trovo d live like these ladies are everywhere as well so it was really a pleasure to have them on on this past saturday now uh some of you people may not know it but like me and Ankavanka. <laughs> Well, you know, you guys do know because Ankavanka has always been uh, one to be um, uh, very engaging and friendly. Like when I first got over to the Foxhole app, she, I, I just, uh, she and I resonated together. So uh, for those of you who saw us on Saturday night on the Mr. C show, Mr. C in the dark, and uh, we were just like, we were just laughing at each other from the start. It's because... <laughs> It's because we can't help it. And then, you know, there was there was the fallout thereafter, like where we just basically couldn't stop. But uh, one thing I appreciate about Miss Ankavanka is she always tries to add some levity, you know, uh, because, you know, sometimes we can get that political hangover, guys. Like I know I do, like when we're talking about news and current events, and that's pretty much the world that I'm swamped in. Um, and it's I'm not complaining at all because I like to keep up and, you know, be in the know about things that are going on. And I, I like to make sure that I get to share that with uh, the audience out there. But, you know, sometimes you need a break. That's why sometimes I'll play video games on the air you know just to like even though it's like killing zombies <laughs> 
that's not really a way to relax if you think about it because you're still kind of like high tension uh but you know like uh shows like what Anka Vanka brings is like um you know it's it's like uh it's like where you can kind of like just relax and put your get your mind off of that stuff which is really what I appreciate about it. I love levity and humor. Uh, I think that's probably one of the most powerful weapons, not to not to sound oxymoronic by making humor a weapon, right? Like making like, you know, you know, happiness and frivolity and and lightheartedness a weapon. But uh, it's it's one of the best methods and medicines and weapons against uh, some of the darker things out there. And then, of course, anytime that I've popped into J Bell's show. <laughs> If you guys haven't seen myself on J-Bell's show, she knows I snored on there. Come on. And I'm, I'm kind of like opening up to <laughs> the, the audience of the Sea Report. But, you know, like I've always I've always enjoyed myself and found it uh, found a very lightheartedness uh, going along with J-Bell. But the woman knows what she's talking about. So don't be mistaken. So anyways, if you guys who uh, attend the Sea Report, you know, Monday through Friday at our regular time have not checked out Mr. C in the dark or if you intend to at some point i would definitely recommend the last two uh, episodes that we did this past weekend were very pivotal uh they were very very uh to me they were very significant and i would say most definitely look forward to some of those guests who popped into the last couple of shows will be back you know um I'm, I'm feeling like i'm feeling like uh uh anka and i will probably have a one-on-one J bell and i will most definitely have a one-on-one because boy man she had so much information that she brought to the table on saturday night and i was just being flippant and giggly so uh i appreciate her hanging in there with me <laughs> But I'm sure, I'm sure Miss J Bell, she's got to come back on the show so we can kind of like uh, explore into everything. And then if not, you guys need to definitely check out her show. Like you guys need to go see some of the work that she's doing because she brings a lot to the table and, and she doesn't leave anything forgotten, you know, like where some of us might have been like, oh, well, we're done with like Project Paperclip or, you know, we're done with like uh, the 9-11 conspiracy theories. Like they're not just that, but like she still brings that to the table. Because, you know, things are always, things always come back up into light, you know, like uh, nothing stays in the dark for too long. And uh, her conspiracy analysis show definitely uh, delves into some of the things that we might have put on the back burner. But the beautiful thing about it is, is that um, if any other future developments or any present developments have come out that were not there previously, well, by her putting the spotlight on on these uh, and and doing the analysis on some of these things and and not just letting them die, you know, because that's actually something that happens a lot in the current events and conspiracy. You know, like a lot of these things, like uh, they're 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 front of mind for a, mo- a minute and then they just kind of vanish after a while. And at least with a show like Conspiracy Analysis by J-Bell, like at least it, it keeps it front of mind. Uh, and at least that way, if there's any developments that are new in that aspect, uh, uh, we can kind of keep it there in the forefront and we don't forget about it. Because, again, you know, when we're talking about shows like, you know, like The Sea Report and we're talking about current events and stuff like I'll dig into it, you know, there's always going to be an audience that's coming in that is not aware of it. There's always going to be people who are just waking up. 
There's always going to be people who are just stirring in with that red pill. So it, it's good to have shows that keep that information fresh, you know. So I would say, J Bell, I'm I'm not just like I'm not just like brown nosing on you. I'm saying for sure, for sure. Like um, I would say for sure, like definitely uh, I appreciate that you still uh, uh, bring those uh, bring those stories to the front because it's important that we don't forget our past, at least some of it. So anyways, I guess what I'm trying to say is you should probably expect to see Miss J Bell and also Miss Ankavanka on a show again with us at Mr. Seeing the Dark. And if you out there in live stream podcast land have not seen their shows, check them out. Your, your best venue for that will be on the foxhole.app. And uh, if not, then make sure you come back around to Mr. Seeing in the Dark sometime because that's where we do our guest appearances and we do our guest spots uh, for this live stream and, and broadcast. So, And with any luck, we'll have some more really talented people like the Texan, for example, recently just got his own live stream channel on the Foxhole app with the much congratulations to my Texas brother over there. And I know you guys are going to be checking that out because I, I know at least half the audience saw that the other night and it was a great time. <laughs> but anyways, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a pretty good show wound up for you all tonight. Um, we will be talking about uh, some of the excessive votes. I mean, uh, we're, I mean, when we're getting down to the wire with the fraud, of course, we know that uh, Mike Lindell is supposed to have his supersonic cybersonic performance uh, symposium coming up in a few days, and there's no telling what's going to be released in there. We, we're going to touch into a little bit of that, but, um, you know, uh, like I failed to mention Lone Star News just now when I was talking about the other shows that, uh, I know I mentioned the name of it, but I didn't get into it. Now, Lone Star News, of course, is a Texas-centered, centrifugally on Texas, news and current events, because after all, so much goes on in the state of Texas. Uh, and like I just mentioned, our co-host, the Texan, uh, he comes in and he uh, joins me um, on the weekends to talk a bit about Texas, gab a little bit about it. But as I was saying, like uh, this past uh, this past weekend on uh, Lone Star News, Texan and I were kind of talking about some of the uh, voter fraud that happens in our state and also the push for um, um, an election audit in the state of Texas. Well, Captain Seth Keschel, uh, Keschel, I apologize, uh, whom actually Texan has, you know, had the privilege of meeting and the honor of meeting, uh, is one of the individuals who's heading up that front now uh, in this uh, this whole headline about 8.1 million votes of excessive, excessive votes in the 2020 presidential election. Well, that goes into the arena of Captain Seth Keschel and the work that he's doing to bring that to the forefront, a very, very, very important, uh, a totally a different angle, a different perspective from uh, the other approaches that those who are going on the offensive and defensive of election integrity and fighting election fraud are going into. So very interesting in that regard. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that uh, uh, tonight. Uh, we have we actually have some pretty good stuff lined up for tonight, not even in the headline. Uh, of course, the uh, SEIU um, opposing the mandates. Well, that, ladies and gentlemen, has to do with California. And we're going to hammer into California until we see Gavin Gruesome Newscom um, um, recalled and ejected from the state legislature. We're going to hang on to that, guys, because after all, 
that man needs to go. Um, and it, and honestly, guys, I'm not in the California, so I don't have a dog in that race. But Larry Elder is probably the man, uh, the candidate whom I would be voting for if I were in the state of California. And I think it would be something marvelous. I think it would be I would think it would be a damn miracle. Uh, to see something like that happen in that state. And, you know, when we start, and, and all of these stories are kind of related, because if you start to think about how we have 8.1 million excessive votes in the 2020 presidential coup, right? And we kind of think about the state of California and where where I honestly, and I've said this from day one, that California went red. From day one, you know, from, from November 4th, 2020, the day after the elections and, and before the fraud was sealed and dealed by the deep state and the globalists, I said California went red. And uh, I think, honestly, ladies and gentlemen, if we see the recall of Gavin Newsom and the election of someone like Larry Elder, I honestly think that that, ladies and gentlemen, is the, is the, the pure guidepost of the fact that California did in fact go red because they are going to have an individual like Larry Elder as the governor. Once Larry Elder entered into the fray, I really don't think that someone like uh, someone like uh, uh, um, uh, what's her name? Caitlyn Jenner, I, uh, his name, Bruce Jenner. I honestly don't think they stood a chance. You know, I honestly don't think they stand a chance. Like maybe all the gay population and all the trans population will show up to vote for Caitlyn Jenner. But I kind of doubt it. Like Caitlyn would have to be like, come vote for me. There will be poppers at the election precinct that you're voting in. That's the only way that they would show up. She'd have to be like, come vote for Caitlyn Jenner. There will be meth at the precinct for you to vote, right? Like, get your free meth if you come and vote for Caitlyn Jenner. That's the only way the gays will show up to vote, right? They don't give a damn. Gays don't care. And the only ones that do are not popular. Anyway, so, I mean, and and and, and the gay culture, it's all about the popularity contest. So, like, uh, if you ain't if you ain't popular, you ain't going to show up. And uh, you have to offer them at least some methamphetamines to do that because that's just the way the gays work. Uh, look at that one dude that just got freaking booked for uh, uh, poisoning his his uh, his uh, gay escorts, the prostitutes, killing them at meth parties and uh, and sex parties. Yeah, well, that was one of I don't remember the guy's name. I could look it up right now, but we know it was one of Hillary Clinton's crew. That that dude that got yeah. I should probably look it up, guys. <laughs> Because the uh, podcast people are kind of like, what are you talking about, Mr. C? Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put in the search, meth Hillary uh, Clinton, <laughs> California arrested. Let's see if that works. Ed Buck. Oh my God! I kid you not, ladies and gentlemen. I just entered into my search bar. I entered my search bar. Literally. Meth, Hillary Clinton, California arrested. And it comes up Democrat donor Ed Buck convicted for trading meth for sex. And you know what this sick dude was doing is when his prostitutes were all methed out and, you know, taking a taking a, a snooze, probably because they'd been up for days, uh, you know, uh, he would inject them with meth while they were sleeping. And uh, I guess according to this, at least two of them died at his sex den meth parties. 
I, you know, okay, so, all right, guys, so, you know, if you're on the podcast and you're hearing this, well, I mean, obviously, I'm not playing. <laughs> hey, Christina Fontana. Uh, Christina Fontana is joining us over here on Twitch. I'm going to put her up on the screen real quick for you guys. Christina Fontana says, hey, yo, my foxhole not working on my laptop, so I am here cell phone charging. All right, girl, thanks for joining us and for keeping the light on over at Twitch, because, you know, girl... We always have the darkest trolls hanging out. So thank you for joining us. Let me say hello real quick, actually, before we get into last week's chat recap to the friends over at the Foxhole. So this way, Christina, you can say hey, and they can say hey to you. Like, I'm going to build that bridge, okay? <laughs> okay, we have, of course, we have Miss Just V over at the Foxhole app. We have Tam Growl hanging out. We have Derailing. What's going on, my friend? We also have Foxy Lady. I love Miss Foxy. Foxy Brown. Foxy Lady is on the case. Okay, anyways. Okay, the speak on easy. What's going on, sir? Hope you're doing good. Texas Gal is also in the habitat. And uh, let's see who else. WC Crane Up. Dude, what's going on, sir? It was so fa- It was so cool meeting you the other day on, uh, on the speak on easy show. I mean, of course, we were behind the scenes, though, because you know the way the speak works. That screen is that screen is the bar, right? It is the bar. Uh, but we uh, we we were face to face behind scenes. It was really cool meeting you, WC Crane Op. It was really cool meeting you. Just V had it. Ed Buck, she knew that story right from the jump. Vanguard 360 hanging out, uh, and also a uh, Reggie V. Is that you, Vanguard 360? Reggie V, what's up, buddy? <laughs> I haven't forgotten yet. Uh, Don S, thank you so much for the shades and also for hanging out with us today. And Empress Beach to you, you may be a lurking, and we love it. Thank you so much. Christina Fontana's coming back in two at the Foxhole app. I hope you guys are having a, yeah, I, I started naming off all the friends while I was doing this broadcast and Christina had to just hop over. <laughs> and Christina is saying hey to the other person over at, over at uh, Twitch. So, you know, Twitch is just an open door for anyone who wants to come on in and we'll, of course, make them nice and comfy over at the Foxhole app. If they join us over there, uh, some of you guys are drawn, but absolutely, it is a wonderful thing. So anyways, where was I, guys? I was just kind of going off right now. Uh, but yes, yeah, so, yes. Yeah, so, so as I was saying, all of this is kind of interrelated. You know, California, it went red. I mean, I have no doubt it went red. And then, of course, uh, yes. And the last, uh, well, not one, one of the last stories we'll talk, we'll touch on tonight is the Fox, uh, the Fox uh being sued fox news being sued i'm sure some of you guys know a little bit about that but man uh judge andrew napolitano a man i used to like and respect of course i stopped respecting him after he went sideways on trump and the patriots and the constitution uh but uh go figure I mean, is every man, hey, Disco Daphne, what's up, sweetie? Me and Disco Daphne were dancing the other night at Belushi's. <laughs> it was a fun time. I mean, seriously, guys, sorry, I'm getting a little off course again, but I would, you know, you know, if if we had been at a nightclub or some kind of dancing a place, uh, <laughs> I would have been dancing last night. <laughs> Just ask Disco Daphne. I would have, because uh, he was playing my vibes last night. Like, I would probably would have been on the dance floor, like, 
until I went to bed. You guys know when I had to sign off. But anyways, okay. So yeah, um, uh, with with the whole Judge Napolitano thing, like, uh, what is it? Is it is every man in the business, uh, you know, gonna be caught up in that kind of a scheme? We'll talk about it a little bit later in case you don't got the details on what Napolitano did uh but interesting enough it was not just over napolitano uh that's just the way the headline re read at specific at specific news outlets but uh there's a lot more going on to why fox was sued tonight but napolitano was definitely the anchor to get you to click on that headline because i did so anyways guys let's get into yesterday's chat re no I apologize. It was not even yesterday's chat recap. We're talking about last Friday. Now, if you guys were not present and accounted for last Friday, that's no problem. We were on um, at 3 p.m. Central Time as opposed to our typical 7.30 p.m. Central Time. And uh, that's because, of course, we had things to do later on in the evening. But... Uh, but um, uh, we actually did our first international show last week at 3 p.m. on a Friday afternoon. And uh, it was I thought it was a pretty good show. Now, I was a little bit nervous. Hey, Babs, the Ice Queen. How you doing, ma'am? I see you over there. But now I, uh, I thought it was a pretty good show uh, for our first international show. Now, I kind of talked a little bit about how it's a little harder to dig, and I'm not complaining. I'll dig as much as I can, but it's a little bit harder to dig for international news only because if that is an uh, if that that uh, country that you're reporting from is an outright uh, censor of of uh, of news and what's really going on in the world, like uh, and then by the time that news comes to the states and then you have the people who censor and fact check that news there's no telling what kind of actual reality we're getting from another country about what's going on in there that's why i say if you're not from america please by all means report the news from your country because over here in america it's at least thrice filtered by the time I find it, like I go search on the internet and I look up something in United Kingdom or I go look up something in Brazil or I go look up something in Australia or somewhere in Europe or, or even Canada. By the time I read it, it's been filtered one, two, three times because your country's filtering it, America's filtering it, and then all of the big tech companies are filtering it. And if that's not the case, then, you know, uh, newscasters and journals here in America are writing propaganda about your countries. So we, I mean, it's really incumbent on people who live in other countries to report the news from their country. And then I can share that here on the C report. <laughs> Just kidding. It's a joke. But, you know, I mean, so like that's what I was expressing on Friday's episode, because really, guys, by the time I comes across my news desk, it's been filtered so many times. It might just be straight up propaganda. So if you're in another country and, and you have uh, if you're able to do a news broadcast, then dudes do debts. Tell us what's going on in your country. We'll share it here on the Sea Report. I'll bring you on to the Sea Report so you can let us know what's up, you know. But uh, but I'm going to do the best that I can. And so the other angle that I'm taking with the international news um, uh, is that I also want to lay out a blueprint 
of all of the good guys and bad guys out there. So like, for example, last Friday, we talked about Brazil. And that was, I think to me, that was, and the only reason why I, I could report that to you is because there were news agencies here in the States that had the facts. Now, if it were not for these news agencies, like the Gateway Pundit, for ex an example, I would not be able to share that with you guys because uh, again, by the time it trickles into the United States, those stories have been killed, you know, and we were talking about President Bolsonaro over there in Brazil and his son and also the AFD, which is uh, a, a political party out of Germany. Uh, it stands for Alternative for Deutschland out of Germany, you know, and those these people are all allies of the American people and Trump constitutionally speaking and patriotically speaking and America first speaking and and human rights speaking and Bill of Amend uh, Bill of Rights speaking and stuff like that. Like they mirror what we do here in the States for the patriots for America first, you know, and that's really what I want to do also. So this way we can keep a scorecard of who it is that we need to support worldwide, what governments, what countries that we as Americans should definitely support. And, and also so that we're aware of those governments whenever the lamestream fake news media tries to spin stories. So like if tomorrow Fox News or MSDNC or CNN starts talking about how President Bol Bolsonaro in, in Brazil is killing all of his people, right? And, and how the people are marching against Bolsonaro because of COVID-19, we know it's fake because this guy's been doing what he could. He stands for the people of Brazil. He stands for Second Amendment rights in Brazil. He's been totally launched against with this COVID thing, but that's because his entire country has broken down because of the mismanagement that happens because, again, He's dealing with a Senate and Congress in his country that are very oppositional towards his policies because they're all globalists, right? So that's also kind of the, the what I want to also do when I'm featuring the international news is kind of kind of keep the light on for us in regards to who our allies are in this in this world in different countries. And hopefully I can keep on doing that. But I think this past Friday was a pretty good start for that. Because again, we were able to identify some allies in South America and in Europe, the parties, the political parties, the, the people in their government uh, who are representing well for the people and who are pushing for the same ideas that we have here in our country of these United States of America. It's just their, their struggle, their fight, their path to victory is, is behind ours, obviously, because their countries have been corrupted for a very long time. And it's a shame, it's a shame to say that their countries have been corrupt for a very long time because of our country. Like our three letter agencies were going in there and doing regime change for the communists benefit and for the benefit of people who are against the rights of people. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to help them turn that around. And I know we're going to have to clean up our backyard first to get there. But once we do, and as we are in the progress of doing that, we should definitely give them a hand. And hopefully we can keep that light on for them so this way we don't get caught up in the quagmire that is the fake news media when they try and say that our allies or people who are against them, maybe they're not our allies. I'm thinking about people like Syria now, maybe. Like maybe they're not our allies, but they are definitely anti-globalist and they're definitely anti those people we're talking about the globalists the deep staters like at least we know that even if they're not like our ally allies we have a common enemy 
And uh, that is the globalists, the deep staters who are trying to kill the population of the world and take everyone's freedom and basically enslave us. And, you know, I don't even know that I see that as being enslavement in their eyes. They just think that they have a right to this world. And they think that we're nothing compared to them. And they don't even acknowledge our right as, you know, as a, a free moral agents, as sovereign souls, as sovereign people of this planet and the universe. They have no regard. And uh, in my in my opinion, they are living on an outdated type of, uh, of system that just does not belong anywhere in the universe. No one can lord it over a free moral agent. We all have the rights to do and say as we please. Uh, but still, even though their system of things is so masked and covered over by politics and democracy, uh, they're still trying to bear us down in chains and they're still trying to put us under the chopping block, so to speak, because they feel they have a right to exist, whereas we do not, and I will not put up with that in this existence or any others. So I'm just saying, guys, we gotta we gotta stand together, and that's gonna be also in uh, that's gonna be also in America as it is in the world. Uh, an individual by the name of Lou Sab is asking, "Where are you on the political spectrum?" Well, my friend. Sit back a spell, get your snacks, and listen to the program, because if you haven't figured it out yet, then you don't know anything about politics. And I'm not being rude. I'm just stating it like it is. Okay, what else do we got here from last week? Okay, so finally getting into last Friday's chat recap before we get too long. Just V was in the house. Texas gal peeled by the rabbit. Anon989042 says... Military information, 17 years active duty. This was coming in hot. The vaccine that we are getting is not the same one they're pushing in the nursing homes. They are money laundering the elderly. If you know what I mean, I have not seen one military member that had an adverse reaction to the vaccine. Well, thank you for imparting us with that information, oh, anonymous individual. I mean, I get why people want to be anonymous, but I just don't understand if you're going to, uh, and I'm not dogging anyone, but I'm just saying if you're really serious about standing for your country, there's no need to be anonymous. My name is Michael Aaron Cossidis. Come and find me sometime. I don't care. There's no need to be anonymous anymore. You don't need to be hiding anymore, especially if you're going to put your money where your mouth is. If you're going to walk the walk that you're talking you don't need to be anonymous. We need to see you for who you are. We need to know that you are real and hiding behind an anonymous name and number. You ain't doing us any favors by doing that. But thank you again for this anonymous information, Anon989042. Um, um, I, I mean, you know, you're right in that regard. Like if the military is not clamping down on um, those who have been vaccinated having vaccinations, like if they're not clamping down on uh, um, these reactions, uh, like adverse reactions from military personnel and members, uh, and they're not actually having those re adverse reactions, maybe they are getting a different, um, a different uh, gene therapy session or vaccine. It's very possible. And I could see most definitely that that could be the case. Now, you know, when we're talking about like a vaccine like Johnson & Johnson, and let's not forget Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca were actual 
vaccines, you know, per the usual, the way vaccines work. Whereas again, Moderna and Pfizer were gene therapy sessions, mRNA injections, that those are two different things. The two the, for the two from the two are totally, totally different things. But let's not forget, even in the Johnson and Johnson case, there were reports coming out about how those Johnson and Johnson vaccines were being made in a lab or a pharma pharmaceutical company or a warehouse that were, were not even clean. They were dirty. They were not following cleanly standards of operation for the Johnson and Johnson. So there's no telling that in the Johnson and Johnson they were getting all kinds of dirt and, you know, kind of that could have led up to some of those adverse reactions. Now, I don't know any of this from Jack, obviously. Obviously, they could have been like doing a Tuskegee kind of experiment with some of these vaccines. Like what if they sent certain vaccines to certain states or certain places that they knew were different or would have a different reaction or there was something else in the cocktail? We don't know. We don't know. And uh, Anon, uh, you're giving us military information, but again, you're anonymous. So I don't know that I take any of your information for what it is, you know, but I do appreciate you dropping that idea into our collective consciousness um, because it is certainly something to think about. Like these are things that could happen. These are things that could be true, you know, but again, you're anonymous. So I will never know that to be sure or a fact, but yeah, now it's in our collective subconscious. So there it is. CJM61, how are you doing? Reggie V, otherwise known as Vanguard360, dropping us a ship and a can. Thank you for those, uh, for those deep gold pill donations here to the show. And you know, that's something else that I'm kind of working on. But again, uh, I do appreciate you guys uh, who throw out the uh, the gold pill donations. If you're on the Foxhole app or if you send something through the cash app, um, uh, I get something like that once in a blue moon. And again, it, it does help. Um, uh, I've kind of been... I've really been on the fence because I feel a certain way whenever I ask uh, for support or for donations. Here's the show. But really, guys, I mean... Uh, I mean, if, if in order for me to continue doing what I'm doing, um, your support, uh, whether by gold pills or cash app or however it is, or even going over to my anchor.fm website and, and listening and spreading those links and sharing it with people does help. So I can keep on doing this because at the end of the day, uh, if, if that were not to happen, then I definitely would probably not be here. Um, I'm blessed that I can be at this point in time, but, um, uh, I just pray that those blessings don't run out. Uh, um, but also to spreading the links do help, uh, because like right now, you know, we have like a handful of viewers over at Twitch and, you know, while Foxhole, I feel is my home base and the place to be having the ability to share this show on other platforms spreads the word, which means that if you think what I'm doing is purposeful and meaningful, and if what if what I'm doing you think is is worth sharing, then at least having it on those other platforms does keep the light open and the door open for others to join in and to hear what I'm saying. But that's only if you think what I'm doing is purposeful and meaningful, then in that case, I appreciate it. Otherwise, I like that you guys hang out and keep me company and each other. Um, it's always a great thing, but I'm, I got to get better at that. I've been encouraged by some of my peers uh, to, to not shy away from, from saying, Hey guys, like if you appreciate the work that I'm doing, then thank you for the gold pill and the cash app support. Uh, cause otherwise I won't be able to do it. I just, I'm really shy about saying those things. I'm working on it though. So anyways, I just feel funny, but 
anyways, I'm, I've never been a good salesman, let alone a self-salesman. So <laughs> that's how it goes. And Reggie B, otherwise known as Vanguard360, I appreciate those donations. Uh, Skeeter Burke was in the house. Um, we also had Tam Grell looking up. CJM says, palmetto bugs are huge and can fly. Now, if the palmetto bugs are the water bugs, which are the big cockroaches, We'll keep that conversation in last Friday because, yeah, I'm not a fan, but I will kill them if I have to. Oh, my goodness. I could tell you guys a story about those palmetto big roaches. Like, it would probably freak you out, but that might be a show that's best left reserved for uh, Nick's Obscure Oddities Emporium. Because <laughs> that is definitely something that's kind of out there uh connie ketchup hanging out ap9889 anonymous patriot also hanging out pill by the rabbit gremlins in your computer don't let them eat after midnight gremlins is uh especially the second part is probably my favorite gremlins i will always watch that one from time to time because yes there's something that's happening in this lab that uh, i'd like to talk about texas gal i'm back this is some ugly evil stuff going on in mexico Blow bones lying around like it's nothing yeah we were talking about mexico last friday on our international episode and that was that was pretty gruesome newsome. Um, I don't know if you guys caught it, but in one of those segments where they were talking about the buried bodies, they actually showed like they actually showed like a, a leg. And it was the segment where they're saying this person was not even two weeks dead. And I didn't realize it the first time I watched it over, but they were digging the grave there live on camera. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And there was a leg like of one of these people who'd been murdered by the cartels for being a journalist or an activist. And uh, it was interesting conversation. It's a shame what's going on there. Uh, CJM61 said, so is the Sonora. Got pulled over by gorillas 50 miles in. They searched our suitcases for drugs. Let us go. That's scary stuff. You know, it's like whenever I was going down to uh, my friend's hometown in Santa Ana Maya, uh, Michoacan, like, you know, we didn't have anything to worry about per se. And, and, and that's not to say that, you know, I did not stick out like a sore thumb in that town of Santana Maya. Like you could tell I was not from Santana Maya, let's just say. But even then, like, you know, we everything was pretty much, I mean, there was nothing that happened to us. We never were approached by uh, Los Federales or La Policia or even the, the cartels. But you would see them driving around town like we'd be in the plaza, a little shop, a little tienda having like some yellow dulce, uh, some, uh, you know, some ice cream or whatever. And and you'd see them drive around, you know, in their their pickup trucks with their machine guns and, you know, just it could be all kinds of scary, <clears throat> but uh, that wasn't the case when we were there. But most definitely like now I can't go down. Now I can't go down because it's gotten violent, and especially because Michio Khan's next to a, a drug state, uh, Guerrero, that you can't go down there because it's pretty bad. And I don't know if they would take too kind to foreigners, let alone Americans, <coughs> especially after uh, our, our government started to join forces uh, to clean them up. But then, of course, that was sidetracked by the Biden administration. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Deborah Erdman says, think about Fast and Furious, Eric Holder, um, um, but guns, um, buying guns over there. Yeah, yes. Uh, that was another thing, like uh, through the Obama administration, gun running 
hundreds and thousands of uh, munitions and firearms through Mexico to get into other places in this in this world. Uh, Middle East is kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, but yeah, you know, and then there was that report about all that that munitions truck that got uh, that was um, that was uh, held up and and stolen from. You never know. Just V says, I'm sure Soros is involved with the cartels. I mean, you never know. Like we, we don't know that uh, as for a fact, but I wouldn't doubt it, you know, and especially when you talk, when we talk about how George Soros funds all these NGOs and all these nonprofits, I wouldn't doubt that he's backing a nonprofit in California that maybe even launders their money, you know, like cartels and stuff. Again, that's speculation, but with everything that we see happening uh, in regards to Georgie's involvement, it's very possible. And then of course, something that hasn't been brought up too much, but is kind of on the periphery of things is uh, Kamala, Kamala Mala Harris's involvement. Uh, what the hell Harris? her involvement with the cartels in Mexico. And uh, from my understanding, uh, without really being able to present that information to you, but from my understanding, uh, what the hell Harris is very involved with the cartels in Mexico. And, and with any luck, that will see the light of day um, and we'll be able to actually kind of get into what involvement she had with them. Uh, but that, again, is coming up. Looking up also says, most of the time you get robbed by the cops in Mexico and you will find them in a bar getting drunk on the money they took from you. And that I don't doubt because I know they've always said that the uh, the cops are corrupt in Mexico. Now, I can tell you for a fact, even when I was down in Michoacan, and, guess, and again, guys, this is like 17 hours into the border, approaching West Mexico, approaching the Pacific down by Mexico City. It's actually a little bit further southwest of Mexico City. Uh, like um, we, I never, I never felt any kind of threat from any of the cartels or the police in my friend's hometown. But I can tell you for a fact, guys, when we were on the open road and we were coming up like, uh, like, for example, the main road or highway, which is basically two lanes that went into my friend's hometown in Michoacan, there was a police station or substation, like just a little like square house right there between the highway and the main road that took you into my friend's hometown. And even though we felt no threat or no duress from the police or the cartel in my friend's hometown on the main highway, into my friend's hometown, that little police substation, even my friend who's from that town was cautious. And that, and that's because myself and my brother do not look like native Mexicans, obviously, at least we didn't back then. Maybe I could pass for it now. I'm not sure. But even he was cautious at that highway substation because of the corrupt uh, um, the corrupt nature of the police in Mexico. So I would totally agree with you there. I miss, uh, miss looking up. Uh, Deborah Erdman says they've been launching money. They've been laundering money through Mexico for a very long time. The well-known fact. Yes, indeed they have. Uh, you know, we even uh, presented an article here on uh, the C report about people like Hunter Biden being involved with the wealthy cartels and laundering money through Mexico. Uh, getting back into um, Brazil, CJM61 says Bolsonaro is a good guy. Hope Bolsonaro doesn't get Haiti. Dang, man, that's hardcore right there because uh, it's possible. Enough people don't like the work that he's doing. CJM also said the Great Awakening should put the AFD, again, that's the alternative for Deutschland, 
in power because when we're talking about Bolsonaro in Brazil and we're talking about the AFD with uh, what was her name von Stork von Stork is the 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 leader over there of the AFD the um, alternative for Deutschland we're talking about conservative parties who support Trump and also recognize the 2020 election as a coup and the Biden administration as a junta regime that has basically uh, taken over the United States of America without regard of the people who did not vote for him. But we'll get into that in just a little bit more. Tam Growl says, the sins of the Vatican, a deep, deep rabbit hole. Oh my goodness. Like what we talked about Tam Growl on Friday was just like, that was not even scratching the surface. In fact, the money laundering that we were talking about on Friday was kitty play compared to some of the crap that's really gone down at the Vatican. Fact Finder was also joining us. Seymour Butts was also in the house. And Pilled by the Rabbit closed by saying, Standing in Utah Desert by a monolith, I say, have a great evening. I was kind of like, the reason why I include that, I was like, what monolith are you talking about? You guys remember whenever... um Trump was in office. They had like these silver monoliths that were appearing all around the world. I never figured out what that was all about. If any of you guys know what that was about, put it in the chat because I'm super curious to know. That was actually pretty intriguing at the time. Talking about what might have been going on around the world and what the symbology of those monoliths were. Very interesting, if you ask me. Very interesting indeed. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've hit that time. We're about to get into the meat and potatoes of the Sea Report again. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out tonight. I'm going to go ahead and pop into the chat one more time to say hello. Uh, let's see. Looks like half my chat is gone, but <laughs> Christina Fontana, what's up? Vanguard 360, and we also got Disco Daphne. Tombstone is hanging out tonight. Just V. Thumper Rose, one, two, three, SKG, Babsy Ice Queen. Love having you in the house. Belushi, what's up, my friend? Always in Texas. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for the cookie, Belushi. Um, one, two, three, SKG. Thank you for the shades. So much appreciate the support. Sherry Pittsburgh is also with us tonight. Texas gal. Uh, I think I, did I pass? Two Rivers, how you doing? Uh, I think that's everyone. Tam Growl, hello again. Uh, my, my chat just half disappeared, but thank you again, guys, for uh, joining us tonight at the Sea Report. We're about to get into Think of Things, and I would like to welcome everyone again. Welcome, welcome to uh, Monday, August 2nd, the first Monday and the first Sea Report for the month of August. Uh, Sergeant Sparky, I see you there. What's going on, buddy? And uh, yes, we have a, a good show for you guys tonight on this night, uh, August 2nd, Monday. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are live again at the Foxhole app at Trovo and at the Twitch. Uh, just uh, sharing with you guys some of the news and the day's current events. And also, uh, as always... Trump leads at the C report. Oh, there we go from the desk of Donald Trump. Now we have a few, a few statements from our president, President Donald Trump, as we get into today's show. Uh, let's see. Let's start off with this one. The corrupt and highly partisan House Democrats who run the House Oversight Committee yesterday released documents, including court filings dealing with the rigged election of 2020 that they dishonestly described as attempting to overturn the election. In fact, it is just the opposite. 
The documents were meant to uphold integrity and honesty of elections and the sanctity of our vote. The American people want and demand that the President of the United States, its chief law enforcement officer in the country, stand with them to fight for election integrity and to investigate attempts to undermine the nation. Our country has just suffered an incredibly corrupt presidential election, and it's time for Congress and others to investigate how such corruption was allowed to take place rather than investigating those that are opposing this massive fraud of the American people. Indeed, ladies and gentlemen, you see now from his position, President Donald Trump is going a little bit deeper He's going he's gonna to get you at your oversight committees. He's going to get you at your DOJ. He's going to get you at your attorney general. And he's going to say, like, look, guys, the evidence is coming out in the states. Now, why, as you, as an oversight by the federal government, are not paying attention? Why are you fighting with the states when they're telling you what is what and what is going on? Why are you not investigating into these matters? Why are you just calling out your shots? like what other people see isn't real uh you cannot deny facts ladies and gentlemen you cannot deny facts i mean i guess you can die deny them all you want if you're a liberal left-leaning communist doj or oversight committee from the house but in the end ladies and gentlemen you just can't fight facts with lies Uh, the next statement from President Trump says, uh, let's see, what does this say here? President Donald Trump affiliated political committees announces nearly $82 million raised in January 1st through June 30th, 2021 reports. Ah, so we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about uh, the uh, different agencies, campaigns, uh, political action committees that have raised money for President Trump. Because again, if you don't remember, and I'm sure you do, uh, last week we had them espousing all of this money raised for President Trump for the audits that were not even president. Like they're like President Trump raised money, but it wasn't even President Trump. It was all of these uh, nonprofits and it wasn't the money that he raised. He had nothing to do with it. And they're trying to make him look bad for that. Of course, they're like, he's doing this stuff and he's not even doing that stuff. And it was just it was just a. Uh, Highly moronic. But uh, here now, I guess this is kind of like fire with fire. A uh, statement from President Trump is talking about the money that's been raised by political action committees that are affiliated with him. All right. And again, this should kind of this kind of makes him quiver, in my opinion, because it's not the man himself raising the money. It's people who believe in him, people who are working for him and with him or at least for the sentiment the idea and the symbology that this man puts forth through what he's espoused in his campaigns and as president of the united states of america a statement says president donald j trump announced today his affiliated political committees raised nearly 82 million dollars during the period between january 1st and june 30th 2021 from 3.2 million contributions now, ladies and gentlemen, if he's receiving 3.2 million contributions, do you think that that is 3.2 million 
political action committees or even uh, nonprofit groups? Nah, uh, probably a big old hefty sum of that's going to be from the grassroots, and that's going to scare politicians in Washington, D.C. even more, and globalists from around the world and in our media centers. The committees have approximately $102 million cash on hand. That's cash money, baby. These fundraising numbers, coupled with tremendous support in so many other ways, show that President Trump supporters want him to continue the fight for the America First agenda and the truth in the 2020 elections. Free and fair elections are the bedrock of our constitutional republic. And these audits that are happening around the country, those specifically show uh, because there are examples of that. I mean, our vote is our voice, is our freedom. Like, our vote is literally the symbol of our freedom here in this country. So as long as they are not, uh, so as long as that they are not, you know, usurped and taken over and hijacked by, uh, by uh, these coup operations, like what happened in 2020 with the Biden administration. Now, the uh, statement goes on to say, bringing the truth about the rigged and stolen uh, 2020 election to light is critical to restoring faith in our election process and our country itself. On behalf of the millions of men and women who share my outrage and want me to continue to fight for the truth, I am grateful for your support, and I can't imagine more important time to elect good Republicans to the House and Senate Common sense conservatives were never more badly needed. We must have people who will stand for our America First agenda of lower taxes, fewer regulations, support for the Second Amendment, stronger borders, honoring our vets, and are very tough on crime. The American people know what's at stake, said President Donald J. Trump. I will never stop fighting for free and fair elections and to elect the right candidates, said President Trump. The, the entities filed with the Federal Election Commission today for reporting period 1-1-21 through 6-30-21. The next reporting period will be July 1st, 2021 through December 31st, 2021. So just to let you guys know where they stand on the financials of the matter and what they are doing now, uh, ladies and gentlemen who are uh, watching over on different platforms, uh, let's enlighten some of our Twitch fellows. Uh, we have Pumpkin Pie number nine, who's so smart and knows exactly what's going on because they have such a narrow and limited view of things. They say, do you engage with chat or just speak to yourself? Um, well, Pumpkin Pie, welcome to the Sea Report. Clearly, this is your first time here. And I do engage with chat uh, on a different kind of way. Uh, but just, show you, just so you know, this is a report. And if I took the time to talk to the likes of you, yes, indeed, then I would not get through this report. It's a different kind of show. I know I'm on a live streaming, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, audience engaging type of platform here on Twitch. Uh, but I got some stuff to say, and I got a limited time to say it, so I can't always stop my report to say hello. But why don't you stick around for a little bit, get yourself nice and comfy over at Twitch. If you uh, would like to join us over at the Foxhole app, you'll see we have a much bigger audience. Uh, but in the meantime, I hope you enjoy what you hear. Otherwise, you're more than welcome, my friend. Okay, going on to the next statement from President Trump. The New York Times and others always insert a clause into their stories, 
without evidence. And, you know, that's what we hear, number one. If it's not just in print, it's most definitely on Fox News or Newsmask. Without evidence that the election was decided fraudulently. As usual, it's fake news. In case you guys out there in Twitchland didn't know, uh, the big lie is not what Donald Trump is saying. The big lie is what your newscasters whom you depend on and rely on. I'm not saying that you guys depend on and rely on newscasts because obviously you're here on Twitch. But who the majority of the world uh, relies on, we're talking about like Democrats and uh, liberals and people that don't know how to dig for news. Uh, they will believe that the big lie is what President Trump says, when in fact they are the ones who are espousing these big lies about election fraud. And it's coming clear more and more every day. Now, to get back into President Trump's statement, it says there is massive and unconditional evidence that the election was shattered with fraud and irregularities at a level that our country has never seen before. Much of it's already public. Mm -hmm. Much of it is already public and a great deal more is coming out in the very near future. Every time you read a statement that there is no evidence of election fraud about the 2020 election scam, just attribute that statement to a crooked and Collusive media, they work closely together with the radical left Democrats that will do anything to hide their real facts of this election fiasco. After seeing the irrefutable evidence from numerous states, others are talking about doing deep forensic audits. The election was a scam, and the lamestream media is doing everything in their power not to allow the people to see or read about what really took place. We no longer have a free and open media. They don't cover the truth, but the word is getting out stronger than ever before. We must also look to the future and fight for state legislatures to perform their election so that this will never happen again. In the end, truth will win. Contribute to the Save America and Donald Trump, jtrump.com campaigns in order to keep fighting this fight. Indeed, ladies and gentlemen, it is coming out. We'll be talking a little bit about that here. And we've talked about that um, quite a few times here at the Sea Report. I mean, it's one of the themes that run through our bloodlines here, our blood, our veins, right? Christina Fontana, thank you for holding the light over at Twitch. <laughs> and that's what I say, too. Bring them over to the Foxhole app. <coughs> Troll or not, they'll get set straight. <laughs> All right. Next statement from President Trump. Hold the light and hold the line. Exactly, Christina. You got it. Uh, President Trump says, if I were president right now with COVID raging back, people being shot and killed in record numbers all over our cities and the border totally open with criminals and heavily infected COVID people pouring through our southern border and into our communities, the fake news media would be having an absolute field day. When I left office, when I left office, law enforcement was supported like never before. The border was strong, safe and secure, the best ever. And I got a highly effective vaccine developed in less than nine months when it was supposed to take five years or more. Hopefully people will never forget. We won't forget President Trump, even even through the thick and thin things even through the realizations of what we're talking about here. 
in regards to the vaccines, because we'll be talking a little bit about the vaccines a little later on in this broadcast. Uh, we will still hold on to that light. And uh, hey, just be, <laughs> I see you there. Welcome over. Oh, I just love it. I love it, love it, love it. You guys, you guys are amazing. All right, this is our final statement from President Trump for the evening, and this is a go-getter. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you will be joining uh, the Mr. C channel over at Foxhole, the C Report over at Twitch, and Mr. C TV on Trovo. On August 21st, 2021, President Donald J. Trump will again be holding another rally, this time coming from Coleman. Uh, it says Alaska here, but I thought it was Arkansas. <laughs> Uh, I guess it's Alaska. It says Coleman, Alaska. I swear that it said Arkansas in another article. Let me just d dig into this real quick because that don't make sense. And if it don't make sense... Oh, Alabama. My bad. It's coming from Alaska, Arizona. It's Alabama, ladies and gentlemen. Don't get mad at me because I don't know my zip codes. <laughs> But it's most definitely Alabama. So on uh, Saturday, August 21st at 7 p.m. Central Time, President Trump will be present at an, uh, uh, it's called 45 Fest. 45 Fest, ladies and gentlemen. This will be a rally and a festival to celebrate freedom, faith, and America. And President Trump will be giving a, um, a, a symposium, a remarks of some sort. Uh, it should be a fun time. It should be a fun time. Now, again, like I said, this is going to take place on Saturday, August 21st. President Trump will be delivering remarks at 7 p.m. That's Texas time, ladies and gentlemen. So most definitely be looking forward to coverage here at the Mr. C channel on the Foxhole app, the Mr. C TV, anywhere else that is located. Um, and that is going to take place again at York Family Farms in Coleman, Alabama, ladies and gentlemen. That's going to be exciting. So look forward to that, guys. We'll definitely be covering it here at Mr. CTV, the C Channel, and the C Report, in case any of you guys are looking forward to it. Yes, Aurelius Locke says Alabama. I was like, Alaska? I forgot it's AK. My bad. <laughs> I mean, Arizona, Alaska, Arkansas, Alabama, there's a bunch of A states out there, but that should be a fun time. That's close to home. I mean, not close enough, but it is kind of close to home, still in the central time. So that's a, that's a thrilling announcement for President Trump. Uh, so again, on Saturday, August 21st, if you're not in Alabama, come and join us over here at the Mr. C channel, and we will be hanging out with the door open and the light on for that event. Okay. We knew that President Trump was going to be having more events as we move forward. So that would should look fun. Casual GG over in the Foxhole app says, Woohoo, my state, my sister. I hope, I pray if you could be there, I, I would love for you to have such an experience. Otherwise, Miss Casual, come and hang out with us here at the Mr. C channel, and we will most definitely be hanging out uh, to listen to our president speak. All right, we do have a little bit of Trump news for you guys as we move along into the evening. Uh, first of all, it's going to be in regards to the um, to the class action lawsuit that President Trump has issued against big tech, Facebook, Google, you, uh, Twitter. I guess that would include the likes of YouTube, right? Because they're over at Google now. 
According to an article today released by none other than the Epoch Times, uh, we have uh, news, and actually this does actually come from the America First Policy Institute. Now, AFPI, again, one of the uh, chairs of that is none other than Linda McMahon of uh, Vince McMahon. WWF, when I was listening to it, WWE, because they got their ass sued off by the worldwide, what, what was it? The WWE, what was it? That's, that's the, the animal, <laughs> that's the animal uh, federation people over there. Uh, the ones that protect the animals, WWF. Anyways, okay. So yeah, so they're the ones who had actually released a statement in regards to uh, the amendments to President Trump's big tech lawsuit now to include over 65,000 Americans. And that would include Americans and businesses who have been censored by big tech from whatever stance that they took. Now, we guys know here in the community that big tech was censoring individuals because of their political views and for their support of America First agendas, including supporting President Donald Trump. But uh, eventually, as the uh, left and the Democrats tend to eat their own, we saw that fall into them also attacking people on the left, even liberals. Because don't forget, guys, liberals uh, back in the day, back when uh, back when the rhino, well, we say the rhinos, back when the Republicans and the conservatives were the force to beat uh, we had them. We had the liberals who were, you know, all about free speech and all about, you know, individuality and all about, you know, uh, 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 civil individual liberties. I mean, of course, that's been turned upside down on its head. But now, even those classic liberals who still believe in such things are coming under the gun. They are being censored also, not just conservatives, which is just, I guess, kind of what happens when uh, the left type of agendas go out of control. They even start to attack and eat their own. So uh, it's interesting to note that, you know, even on opposite ends of the political spectrum, we're seeing individuals who have a common enemy with conservatives and America first uh, patriots. And that is the class liberal that is the second amendment hippies to steal one from wc cranop you know uh that are finding that we have common grounds uh, we have common enemies you know even people like patrick byrne who is a classical liberal you know and and is not uh, a big r or a, a big c conservative or republican you know like we still see that we have those common enemies those common opponents and so in the wake of this censorship and this blackballing and, and all of this, uh, this other shadow banning and, and, and uh, sequestering and algorithm hunting that big tech has done, we see that with 65,000 co-signers to this, uh, to this, uh, this um, uh, class action lawsuit, uh, the stories are varied and the stories are many. And it's going to come down to a head. Now, I know I've heard that there will be some opposition to this class action lawsuit because of the 230 protections that these big tech um these big tech uh, conglom um, uh, conglomerates, I guess, I, uh, monoliths, right? These these uh, these big tech um, um, uh, monogamists, uh, you know, that monopolists and monogamists. I mean, I, you know, they only play with themselves, but you know, monopolists, I guess, would be more appropriate when we're talking about them. Like uh, uh, that, they have, they still have that protection. But I, I mean, that's to say, where is this class action lawsuit going to go specifically? You know, is it really going to work with the two? 30 protections that these uh, big tech monopolists have, um, or 
uh, is, it, is it rather going to set a precedent? And I think that's more of what we'll be seeing from this class action lawsuit. Win or lose, all of this data, all of these information, all of these, uh, all of these uh, participants in this class action, class action lawsuit, through affidavit or not, will set in stone a precedence for exactly what they are undergoing, uh, uh, what we are seeing in the real life, and it will be submitted to a court of law as evidence, as real-to-life fact. So regardless of the protections, maybe maybe this class action lawsuit, maybe what this class action lawsuit will do in the end is erode those 230 protections that big tech has seen as they are not as they are not an open forum, as they are, in fact, publishers, and they should, in fact, suffer the penalties of the content that they produce since they feel that they have enough right to censor it. You know, uh, all of the stuff that they let go, including, you know, all the uh, child sex trafficking, including all the hate speech that's truly criminal when we're talking about killing and inciting rights and, and, and wishing death upon others. Perhaps the big tech firms should feel that. And perhaps that is the goal of this class action lawsuit, if not to win, to at least draw back the 230 protection that these big tech companies and corporations have through a class action lawsuit where you have 65,000 participants who under the penalty of perjury are submitting their stories on top of the precedence that uh, someone like a president of a nation would bring. I think that would at least definitely repeal the 230 protections that these uh, class action uh, that these big tech companies have, and at least we know that there is some some goal, there is some uh, some target to this class action lawsuit, and it's because guys, you know, once those protections are repealed and taken away from those big tech agencies, you know that it is open season on these guys, and then from this this class action lawsuit that may not see a win, but will in fact see the re repealing of these protections. It will be open season, and then we'll see these 65,000 censored stories and individuals go after them because they will be able to. So, guys, don't get blackpilled on the thought that there's no way they can win because these uh, big tech corporations have protection. It will repeal that protection, and then, again, it will be open season. It's just – this is getting the ball rolling, ladies and gentlemen. This is just this is just one step down that path. This is just one tree in that forest of what will happen to these big tech companies once the ball gets rolling. We'll see what happens in the meantime. But as it says here in a statement from the uh, America First Policy Institution – um, it says in 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 additional um, amended uh, in this additional amendment uh, includes complaints from additional censorship experienced and corporate incorporated uh, incorporates additional class representatives. So we're talking like people here, like uh, doc, Dr. Naomi Wolf. Again, now this is a woman who's on the complete opposite spectrum of America First people, at least in name. And other individuals like Wayne Allen Root. And if any of you guys follow the Wayne Allen Root report, you know that that uh, Wayne Allen has brought us very, uh, very timely information. 
and, and very insightful information in regards to the state of our country and when it comes to censorship as well as things like uh, election fraud and also the auditing spectrum of things. Now, again, uh, these people are on, on different, different ends of the spectrum. Let's talk about Dr. Naomi Wolf, for example. Now, Dr. Naomi Wolf is a former advisor to the political campaign for both Bill Clinton and Al Gore. How far on the opposite end of the spectrum can you get when we're talking about someone like Dr. Naomi Wolf? Now, that's her there. Now, this is we're talking about a liberal, a Democrat, a lefty. Well, maybe she's not so left, uh, but maybe because, again, there is a difference between liberals and leftists right now. Liberals, if you're talking about liberals to the classical liberal, that's an entirely different type of entity and being compared to someone who is left leaning. Now, left leaning, we're talking like socialism, communism. Uh, you know, Nazism, uh, that's left-leaning, you know, uh, but when we're talking about a liberal, uh, which could be someone like Dr. Naomi Wolf, uh, um, you know, that's not the same thing as someone who is left-leaning. A left-leaning, a liberal person does not a left-leaning individual make, even though on the political spectrum, they are more left than people who are conservative or even center. Uh, but again, uh, Dr. Naomi Wolf, um, who after she was actually deplatformed uh, um, for speaking out against COVID. Okay, so again, someone who was working on Bill Clinton and Al Gore's political campaign was censored from big tech because of her thoughts on COVID-19. Now, she joined the America First class action lawsuit against Twitter after she described the censorship of information surrounding COVID-19 vaccines, mask mandates, and vaccine passports as a sort of digital Stalinism. So again, she might be liberal, but she's not as left as a Stalinist, right? She said it was a scary marriage of government and technology in censoring open debates. She says that in, in stifling debate, big tech may be acting as a fantastic a uh, fascist arm of the federal government. So apparently she's not so left as the lefties to say that, yeah, there, there's fascists out there. She might even be able to identify communism from what these statements sound like. But again, she's seen a lot of self-censoring out there from her peers and people who respect her because they are afraid of being deplatformed. Uh, and so what I would really like to do is share this interview uh, that took place between uh, Dr. Naomi Wolf. And again, this guy is not someone that conservatives would typically call an ally, but in this world of overbearing draconian self-censorship coming from the far left uh, and globalist regimes, um, we will have odd bedfellows and those who we can call our allies just based on the fact that they are also being targeted and these individuals have the wherewithal to call it out and stand on the right side of history. So let's hear a few words that Dr. Naomi Wolf had to say with the Epoch Times on their American thought leaders, a brief interview I think that will be pretty insightful to our audience. You joining this class action lawsuit from, with former President Trump uh, against, you know, broadly speaking, big tech. So tell me a bit about this. I should note that uh, it's actually um, thousands of people uh, part of this class action lawsuit. He's certainly the best known. And I should also note that I didn't vote for him. He's not my guy. You know, I don't agree with him about a lot of things, but I do agree that big tech should not be censoring private individuals and that it's 
you know, a huge blow to civic discourse that they would go as far as to censor a former United States president. So it's a lawsuit that America First has put together. I'm not yet formally admitted to it, though I just got the documents to sign, so I believe I'll be part of it. And apart from that, it's um, a pretty compelling uh, lawsuit because I think a lot of people are aware that big tech has started kind of in a very purge-like Stalinist way to, you know, go after at first it was the conservatives and at first it was marginal people and at first it was, you know, people inciting violence, which is never good and is not First Amendment, Amendment protected speech. But then it was me, <laughs> you know, and the reason I was deplatformed uh, by Twitter about five weeks ago, um, and my 146,000 followers can no longer find me there, is I posted a video of um, my husband, a PI, reading Dr. Ralph Barrick's CV, which clearly identifies gain-of-function research and NIH funding for his research. Um, and that got 74,000 views before my account was frozen. And the second thing I want to note is I was deplatformed a day later as I was trying to upload a press release verbatim that I was re that I'd read verbatim of a sitting United States state senator Kim Thatcher of Oregon about her bill SB 72 to ban vaccine passports and mask mandates. So to me, if we've gotten to a point where a giant tech company or even a little company is silencing people who are providing first-hand sourcing for major, major news stories or reading press releases from elected officials, that's like not America anymore. Um, and the last thing I want to say about that is that the Twitter spokesperson told a lot of news outlets that I was deplatformed and told them the reason was vaccine misinformation, which is very damaging. I'm a reporter and I have 35 years of extremely solid reporting and eight best-selling nonfiction books. So that's scary, too, that big tech is kind of singling out citizens and, and smearing them, you know, baselessly. Uh, and now... We've seen it last week, just to move from myself to a much more general situation, when Jen Psaki at the White House, the White House spokeswoman, identified 12 private citizens, you know, who were expressing their opinions and at the level of the White House told big tech, go after these people. So it's a scary marriage of government and technology in censoring open debate. Well, and so it sounds to me like you're saying that... Uh you don't believe you broke any rules here even well so i guess first of all i would challenge that phrasing broke any rules right every private company and i i'm a ceo tech i have my own platform you know we have terms of service twitter has terms of service every private company is entitled to say if you violate our terms of service you can be you know deplatformed. But nowhere in the fine print, and I read terms of service, you know, as a CEO tech, I read theirs. It didn't say we're going to go to your employers and tell them you're not credible. If I had seen that, I would have built up 12 years of intellectual capital on another platform. And also those terms of service change all the time. So when the last time I read the terms of service pretty recently, um, they said, don't harass, no threats of violence, no advertising. And that's all completely legitimate. But they didn't say, don't post the CV of 
a grant recipient of the NIH, and they didn't say don't post any communications from elected United States government officials. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty fascinating. And you're also saying that no one actually communicated with you directly. And I can say, you know, just from some of our unfortunate experience with the number of big tech companies, that, that seems to be the MO. Yeah. I mean, again, I keep thinking of training, like obedience training, because I had been briefly deplatformed before. And when I was raising my kids in the 90s, there was this very popular book called One, Two, Three, Time Out. You know, you're supposed to eat that's one, that's two, and the third time they go to their room. You know, that's a discipline. Um, and that's appropriate for a toddler. It's not appropriate for a 58-year-old, um, you know, journalist and, 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 and author or anyone, um, because that's really the conditioning. It was like, oh, first strike, don't do this again. Oh, second strike, third time's going to end in suspension. But there's no communication like this is off limits or don't go near vaccine information or don't post the Moderna website. So nothing I did, again, violated the terms of service the last time I had read them. And nothing in the communication was the kind of way you would communicate to a customer about, you know, breaking the rules. Um, and this is very characteristic, you know, bigger picture of closing democracies or emerging totalitarian societies. They did this. I'm Jewish, so I'm allowed to say this. They totally did things like this in Germany when it was still a fragile democracy. Like, creating very vague laws um, that if you broke the rules, you were in big trouble, but you could never really know what was going to trigger that breaking of the rules. And it could be for very trivial things like listening to BBC radio or, you know, making fun of the Fuhrer. Um, but that might trigger a very harsh penalty. Um, so I'm not saying it's the same thing, but I'm saying you do see in closing democracies uh, this kind of training that, oh, you know, if you go too far, but we won't tell you exactly what that is, something terrible will happen to you. And certainly, certainly I do feel like, you know, to give interviews, which the Twitter spokesperson did, with every major news outlet in North America and Britain, many of which I write for, like The Guardian, calling me not credible was very much a, a kind of demonstration to other journalists of what could happen to you. And, you know, I'll, I've obviously survived that. That's not the worst thing in the world. But what's really scary is the ripple effect. It has the chilling effect on other journalists because I've gotten so many emails from other reporters saying, I really admire you. I'm so sorry you were deplatformed. And when I, I would say, well, can you say that publicly? Um, they universally said, I would, but I'm really afraid of being deplatformed. And I've seen the self-censorship um, that has gone on in the wake of some high-profile deplatforming of um you know, journalists. And also, the last thing I want to say is, and your wonderful journalist, Petr Svab, asked me something like, you know, do you feel what you said appropriate or something like that? I don't want to mischaracterize what he said, but I want us to remember what it means to be American. In America, right, there is no policeman telling you what feelings are appropriate or not appropriate. And I fear, yes, they're a private platform, they can do what they want, but when the government, you know, uses our tax dollars to, to send a message that these tech companies will do their bidding and will target their enemies or their critics uh, in a way that chills debate, that's, 
They've gotten around the First Amendment and they've gotten around the Constitution and that's what we should look at. Yes, that is from the Epoch Times. Uh, interesting interview, you know what I mean? And uh, that's what I really enjoy about uh, people who think like people in our community is that we can listen to individuals that don't necessarily seem to have our point of view. I saw some of you guys in the chat probably said he ne she probably never really researched into President 45, you know, but or what might ever have carried her off into that direction. But we can still listen to, and we won't go, you won't start screaming our heads off or making fart noises or doing raspberries just because it's someone that doesn't, is not necessarily on our team, right? But there you go. There you have it. That was from uh, Dr. Naomi Wolf. Now, I didn't really know who she was prior to this, uh, but you know, that's what I'm saying. So the, the weight of what President Trump is doing with this class action lawsuit, I would genuinely say, uh, will serve a purpose of some kind. You have to think long battle on that. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just going to be about, um, it's not just going to be about, uh, uh, you know, uh, proving the wrong, taking them to court and getting a whole bunch of money. It's the precedence that it's going to set. Uh, and there's going to be so much evidence submitted into this entire litigation uh, that they will be forced to look at that evidence. And then that will probably be forced into some type of hearing where they will have to really look at whether or not these big tech companies deserve that protection that they currently take advantage of. Uh, it's kind of like what we're seeing with the election audits going on right now. You know, we have this entire process uh, that was laid out by the Trump legal team back in December and January, December really, and, and the end of November, where they were going and doing hearings in like, what, five or six different states, and they all got dismissed. But what did it do? It put out all that information so that we, the American people who were finally awake and those who were paying attention would then take those seeds that were planted and we would go and force an audit in our states. And indeed, we've seen it in Arizona. We're seeing it happen in Wisconsin. They're really trying in Pennsylvania. It's probably going to happen in Georgia. And if not, just decertifications across the board. I mean, we're looking at like five or six states now that are in, in, in play for this entire process to happen. And Arizona is almost in the books. So it, again, when we're talking about the long game, because don't forget the globalists and, you know, all of those people, they have played the long game. We're talking decorate, decades to a century of these individuals who have mapped this out because they knew like that whole analogy or that metaphor of like, you know, boiling frogs or boiling lobsters, you turn the heat up a little at a time. You don't just throw them in because they will react. Well, I guess you just do that with frogs, right? Like lobsters will just scream, but like, um, you know, that that's what they have done. They had to do it incrementally over the course of decades in order to get where they are. And in order to finally take over the entire species that is humanity, right? 
we have to think the same way. We can't just jump in guns blazing, ready to take back what's ours because this is a game. It's kind of like I was thinking about this the other night when I was hanging out with people and chat and friends and, and chatting on channels, you know, like what is the remedy to what we have faced, you know, and it's basically a paper game at this point. Yeah, we can go in guns blazing, but guess what? If we do that, that is just uh that's just a mark against what we're trying to do it is it is counterintuitive to what we are trying to do we have to play it the way they did and they took a long arduous and technical and monotonous way of doing it and that was on paper through signing laws and treaties and bills and and uh, mergers right that's how that's the angle that they did it to make sure that we would not consciously be aware of their usurpation. We have to fight back that way as well. And it sounds boring and it sounds like it would be unengaging. But guys, we're engaged and that's where we're going. And that's the way that we're going to take it back. That's why they call this a civilized revolution. Because we're not going to necessarily do this with guns unless it boils down to that. But I'm willing to bet that there's probably 3% of us who are awake that have got their guns ready and have got the ammunition, ammunition loaded. And you know what? God bless them because we'll need them if it comes down to that. But if it doesn't come down to that, you know, then at least we'll take our country back the way that uh, the way that this administration fought for it. They fought for no violence. They fought for as little bloodshed as possible. We should honor that. And I think that we are. So anyways, that's just a little spotlight on what's going on on Donald Trump and his administration in the big tech world. Let's talk a little bit about one more Donald Trump story. Now, this is involving um, this is involving one of his properties in the state of Chicago. I mean, sorry, the state of Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> the city of Chicago. Um, now, according to uh, reports also, um, uh, there is about a million dollars owed back to President Trump in tax relief, a tax refund for his building. Uh, basically, what it boils down to is they overestimated the value of this property over in Chicago, the Trump Tower. It's a pretty, pretty cool looking tower there, you know, if you ask me. Uh, uh, and, and, and in doing so, when they reevaluated what its true value was, they found that they owe him a million dollar rebate. Now, of, in true fashion of people that just don't like President Trump or just are trying to give him a hard time, uh, they're trying not to pay him him the money that they owe him. Now, uh, Chicago officials, they're trying to block President Trump's from receiving $1 million tax refund from this Illinois property tax appeal, uh, Illinois property. Now, the tax appeal board in Illinois ruled that they owe this because of his Chicago skyscraper in a 2011 tax bill. Uh, the Office of County Cook, uh, Cook County State Attorney, Kimberly Fox filed a lawsuit with the Illinois Appellate Court on July 9th disputing the refund, uh, saying that the money would come out of the property taxes due to the city of Chicago, the Chicago Public Schools, and several other government agencies. So she's saying we can't pay him this money because it's supposed to go to Chicago schools. Well, I mean, what the heck are your freaking like, uh, you know, like uh, other taxes there in your city are for like sales tax. Shouldn't that go there also? Uh, but a million dollars. So you're going to take that out of your schools, Kimberly Fox. I guess that's the game that you play. Uh, it sounds like she's playing a little violin to me, if you ask me. 
The lawsuit uh, comes after the board ruled in a 5-0 to zero vote in June that the former president, or the President 45, as I like to say, is owed a total tax refund of $1.03 million as the value of the Trump International Hotel and Tower had been over-assessed. Uh, the dispute over the tax bills on the high-rise building is the latest chapter in a long-running legal battle over Trump's tax bills that started more than 12 years ago and has led to more than $14 million in tax breaks from uh, the former president. So again, you remember guys, like they were trying to do over in New York with uh, with uh, that, that uh, what is that guy's name? Um, I can't remember his name. Well, you had the DA over there, and then you also have, you had Letitia James, uh, the AG, saying they were going to go after Trump. It was like Vance something or other. I can't, he was a junior. Uh, but uh, they're trying to indict Trump for tax evasion and tax fraud because he had two tax books that told him where to get the best tax deals. Well, it appears here from this article that within the last 12 years, they've gone after President Trump for all these tax. And they're just loopholes that he's uh, he is taking advantage of. Why not? If 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 the tax code left these loopholes open for the rich and the famous, why not take advantage of them? I don't hold it against him. If if I had the tax bracket or the ability to take advantage of these loopholes that they left open for their buddies who have money, like the billionaires and all that stuff, why not? But they've come after President Trump for these same loopholes. And in the past 12 years, it has awarded him $14 million. <laughs> It sounds like it's about to be $15 million, according to this story. So, I mean, I'm not going to hold it against him. They're the ones who wrote the corrupt, the corrupt tax uh, tax loopholes. So why not take advantage of them if you can? I mean, any smart person. And, you know, the IRS tax loopholes, the income tax, all that crap is already illegal and, and unconstitutional. So if you ask me, he's just sticking it to them like they are sticking it to the rest of the American public. So good for you, President Trump. And uh, we'll see how this goes for him now. Uh, the rest of the article says, originally the state agency rejected Trump's argument that the vacant stores had no value because he could not find any tenants to lose, lease them. So that's the reason why it was overassessed. They're like, oh, you have all of these storefronts and shops. Well, this property must be valued at X amount of dollars, but apparently there was no one there to lease them. So, I mean, come on you know, may as well play fair. So uh, that's the reason why he they were calling for this, uh, the, this relief, this extra relief on the tax refund. A hearing officer for the state agency rejected Trump's arguments that the vacant stores at the building had no value because he couldn't lease them. But a staff member later wrote a report that Trump was entitled to the refund. So again, they're trying to delay this, but again, Another woe be gone. If any of you guys ever become multimillionaires or billionaires, you might look forward to this. Or maybe you should get in uh, touch with President Trump, a really good tax advisor, and they will give you the heads up on what loopholes are out there for you to exploit. <laughs> I say go for it. Because after all, like this, uh, this person here, uh, this, uh, this uh, uh, Kimberly Fox, right? saying that he does not deserve this tax refund. I mean, from what we know, uh, I mean, I guess this wouldn't be, an, I guess this is a property tax refund. I guess that's different. I guess that's different. But uh, if it were an income tax refund, I would be singing a different tune right now, meaning that uh, it doesn't go to the schools. 
because it, income tax does not go to to property, streets, schools, fire fire departments, police departments. Income tax goes straight into the coffers of the central bankers to recoup the interest off the nothingness that they spent to lend us the money that they create for us. And that's just the way that goes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go over to Maricopa County now. I'm sure you guys are wondering what's going on at Maricopa County. I'm sure you guys might have a little bit of an idea. You know, I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure people touched on this, uh, but according to uh, the subpoenas that were issued to Maricopa County over there in the state of Arizona in regards to the election audit materials that they did not receive, those audit materials and that subpoena expire today. Now, not only Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, but also uh, Dominion, the much uh, the much uh, trepidation, the much. Um, uh, a scandal ridden uh, Dominion uh, voting elections uh, uh, outfit were all subpoenaed uh, to hand over certain election materials uh, and also information as well as passwords and Splunk logs and stuff like that. Now, that was due today, ladies and gentlemen, and they were supposed to have a hearing at uh, was it like 1 p.m. Arizona time today. Uh, where they would go over that information or receive it. But of course, in a much predicted fashion, both Maricopa County and also Dominion, they decided not to honor and or respect the subpoena of the Senate of the state of Arizona. They did not hand over any of the materials. Nay, they did not even show up for the hearing. Uh, instead, they handed over a couple of letters. Now, I would call these letters of defiance and letters of indignation in regards to uh, what they were saying. Now, let's go ahead and take a real quick look at those. We have the first letter. Now, the first letter comes from uh, the chairman of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. That's Jack Sellers. It's it's ridiculous, honestly, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this one is actually quite insulting, if you ask me about uh, what he's saying. Now, it's not even it's not even professional. Look at this. He says, he says in his, now this is this is Jack Sellers, the Rhino chairman of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. Uh, it is now August of 2021. The election of November 2020 is over. If you haven't figured out that the election in Maricopa County was free, fair, and accurate yet, I'm not sure you will ever. Okay. Now, when someone addresses other people in that regard, when they don't show you respect, when they don't even go about a, uh, a civil way of addressing this matter, and by civil, I mean with some intellect and with some reasoning and with some logic, but they just straight out just get emotional, angry, or just, you know, kind of sound condescending. That's a bully who knows they're wrong right? A bully who knows they're wrong, someone who's just taking advantage of the situation, or someone who is guilty, someone who cannot address you in a civil, logical, or respectful manner, right? Uh, they're just, they're just, they, they're guilty, and they know they're wrong, and they know that they are transgressing. And that is exactly the way that this, uh, this, this juvenile delinquent Jack Sellers, rhino of Maricopa County chairman, addresses the Senate, like, not even with an air or tone of respect, you know, when people use language like that, they are hiding and shivering in their boots or they're just guilty as sin. The letter continues. 
The reason you haven't finished your audit is because you hired people who have no experience and little understanding of how professional elections run. Again, someone who uses no logic, uses no reason, and has no respect, and who tells you your version of reality, those are people who use projection and have no standing. Like in the, the opening paragraph, he dares to dictate the Arizona Senate's version of reality. I don't respect people who dictate to other people their version of reality. Everyone's version and perspective of reality is their own. And if someone feels that they have to dictate to other people and tell other people the way things are, when, you know, clearly the Senate and also with respect, the Board of Supervisors of Maricopa County should have enough uh, brain capacity and intellect to address each other in such a manner, don't need to go to that level of manipulation, they have no ground to stand on, ladies and gentlemen. Now, the rest of the letter continues. The board has real work to do, demeaning, condescending. The board has real work to do and little time to entertain this adventure, condescending, belittling in Never Neverland. Uh, yeah, do you see how badly they're condescending and belittling and demeaning the work that the Senate has done? And do you know how much of an insult that is to everyone that understands what's going on and has followed it and actually can put two and two together? This is a weak letter, ladies and gentlemen, from the chairman of Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, a rhino if you knew no other, Jack Sellers is his name. The letter continues, please finish whatever it is that you are doing and release whatever it is you are going to release. I am confident that our staff and volunteers ran the election as prescribed by federal law and state law. There was no fraud. There wasn't an injection of ballots from Asia, nor was there a satellite that beamed votes into our election equipment. It's time for all elected officials to tell the truth and stop encouraging uh, conspiracies. Release your report and be prepared to defend any accusations of misdeeds in court. It's time to move on. This is a weak ass letter, ladies and gentlemen, from the chairman of Maricopa County, Jack Sellers, Rhino, traitor, treason, Arnold Benedict, whatever you want to call this guy. This is treason. He's, he's, oh God, like. Okay, Jack Sellers, did you never hear that when you sound strong, you're really weak? I mean, uh, the, the people who are weak have to try and sound strong, obviously. This guy sounds like he's got the world behind his back and he's, he's, he's loaded. Like, clearly, weak, 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 Jack Sellers, you are weak and you are running for the hills because you know... The Patriots are coming for you. Let's take a look at the letter from, and this one's a little bit longer, but this is the letter from uh, Dominion and why Dominion was not going to show up for the Senate hearing. Uh, I will definitely get that on screen for you. Let me just go ahead and get this. There we go. A little centered because I can't close that box. I'm sure I could if I figured out how, but let me see here. We won't go through all of this because it is, is plain text work. No, that's worse. We won't go through all of this because it is, after all, 
six pages long, but just to give you guys a little bit of an idea of what Dominion has to say. It says here, uh, subsequent, uh, well, first of all, First of all, they feel that subpoena is uh, uh, is legally defective. From the day it issued, the subpoena was legally defective because it violated and continues to violate United States Constitution and Arizona Constitution. We'll get into that in two minutes. It says subsequent events confirmed have confirmed that subpoena is invalid and unenforceable. We have learned that on July 29, 2021, the Arizona Senate returned the Dominion precinct tabulator machines that were previously in possession to Maricopa County. This action clearly extinguished the Arizona Senate claimed interest in obtaining Dominion security keys and passwords, which was non-existent to begin with, and rendered the subpoena moot. According to the subpoena, the entire purpose of demanding the security keys and passwords was to allow administrator access on these machines. Okay, so that's already backwards because um, we haven't we've we've mentioned it here on the C report. We haven't covered it in depth, and perhaps we will this week. Uh, exactly, you guys have heard me say um, these 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 accredited and authorized companies that do election audits for the EAC all they do is all they do is verify machines they are not in any way accredited to actually do forensic audits the forensic audit is an entirely different beast from what uh, was it uh, pro VNB uh, and which is one of the accredited companies that works for the EAC or who is hired on, subcontracted on, whatever you want to say it, they are not in any way authorized or accredited to do audits. All they do is audit the machine to make sure it works. They don't audit the machine to make sure there's fraud. And that is the entire blanket and veil that people like Dominion are working under to, to try and throw us for a loop and to try and trick us. They're gaslighting. What do we say gaslighting is? Gaslighting is bold-faced lying. That's all gaslighting is. It's a fancy name for lying. Gaslighting is a fancy name for lying to your face, looking you in the eyes, right? That's what gaslighting is. And that is what Dominion is doing here in the statement to the Arizona Senate and to the people of the country who are now reading this letter. Okay, and and they're talking about uh, turning over these machines to an unaccredited, you know, uh, unsanctioned third party when the people that do it for the government through the EAC are not even accredited to do. I mean, that's not even their line of work. Okay, but they try and keep pulling this veil over our eyes. But we're seeing right through it. I mean, Karen Fan has already released a letter on it. We'll go into that in just a minute. Uh, but let's get back to this statement uh, from Dominion. Given all of this and for the reasons discussed below, Dominion will not provide the requested property or appear at the Arizona State Capitol on August, 20, uh, August 2nd, 2021. Now, here's where they talk about the subpoena being unconstitutional. The constitutional defects with the subpoena are numerous, but a minimum include the following. The 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution, Article 2, Section 4 of the Arizona Constitution, both prevent the state from depriving life, liberty, or property without due process of law. 
Here, the subpoena seeks to deprive Dominion of its protected property interest in its security keys and accompanying confidential passwords and apparently transfer such property to an unaccredited vendor, Cyber Ninjas. However, the subpoena set forth no procedures whatsoever for Dominion to raise or to be heard regarding the, its objections to the subpoena. Now, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous because here they're clearly saying that uh, if you're in the court of law, you have no right to call for evidence. Like, what are you talking about? Like, just because uh, you have a third party who is clearly able to perform a, a genuine forensic audit on anything, really. It doesn't even have to be for voting necessarily or elections, but they have the wherewithal and the know-how, and they're probably going to be able to write SOPs for any type of audit after this, if they haven't already, Dominion's trying to say, because you subpoenaed it and you're, you're asking us to let, I mean, what, what are we talking about here, guys? Again, here's, here is a statement of hypocrisy because what did the Dems, what did the left try to do with cyber ninjas? Here, Dominion's saying, oh, well, you can't expect us to hand over our information because that's a violation of our rights. But when it came to the methods that Cyber Ninjas is using, they subpoenaed and sued the heck out of them to get their process out in the public. Hypocrisy is what I think about when that comes to mind, because here they want to know Cyber Ninjas methods and procedures, but they don't want to give up their own. That's a violation of their rights to privacy as a business for you to subpoena that. That's uh, hypocrisy by any other name, if you ask me. Uh, let's see, the subpoena violates the Fourth Amendment in at least three respects. Here we go again. Here we go with their rights to privacy. First, you're a business. You are not a human being. Businesses don't have human being rights to privacy and Fourth Amendment rights. You are a business. Did we forget that, ladies and gentlemen? This is a business. They are not human. They don't have the same rights as we as human beings, as we as free moral agents have. That Dominion believes that they are. Who do they think they are? They are a business. There is no Fourth Amendment for a business, if I'm not mistaken. Now, for private, that's different. Goodness. Anyway, it's yeah, that's technical. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't mind. Just uh, just fill me in here, guys, because that's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, the subpoena violates the Fourth Amendment rights. First, neither the subpoena itself nor the legislative subpoena statutes describe any process under which Dominion can obtain judicial review concerning the reasonableness of the subpoenas or lack thereof before the imposition of penalties for non-compliance. Second, because Dominion has a reasonable expectation of privacy in its security keys and accompanying confidential passwords. A subpoena could only issue upon a showing of probable cause that the keys and passwords will somehow lead to evidence of election fraud or some other election irregularities. Again, guys, like this isn't this is not violating their rights. Like what rights are they giving up by giving over passwords and confidential keys that would uh, show their work? Right. Why are they fighting against showing their work? Okay, and that's a right of that's a violation of their rights. No, this company has a right to exist, I'm sure. This company has a right to do business, I'm sure, but they don't have the right to hide their process 
especially when it has come up through all of the other evidence that's out there that this process might have been part of a really big fraud that in effect results affect the entire country and totally takes away the rights and totally, uh, what's the word, totally strips us, totally disenfranchises the American people of what they wanted to begin with. They don't understand this, but this is this is probably this is probably Perkins Coy. This is probably some other Soros or some other D, uh, some other lefty commie like law firm. Who is this law firm? This is Snell and Wilmer. Snell and Wilmer LLP law firm. I'm gonna have to dig up into that. Sorry, I didn't do it before this, but uh, Corey Langhofer you know, over at Snell and Wilmer LLP law offices, clearly guys, uh, they, they really know how to play with words. Uh, they really know how to finagle, uh, the, uh, the, the common vernacular and otherwise legislative or litigatory, litigatory, litigatory uh um, um word structure here because that's just bs if you ask me like bs okay enough of this i don't want to i don't want to read any more of this crap here let's go boom oh wait we'll talk about wendy rogers in a minute but let me just finish up with these guys uh, uh eric spencer who is also a lawyer working on this uh, with Dominion. Again, they say that uh, the subpoena violated Dominion's due process rights, its Fourth Amendment rights, its rights against unreasonable searches and seizures. Again, this is, this is not a person. This is a business. And its rights under the Arizona Constitution Private Affairs Clause. Now, that's something I'm not familiar with. Maybe it did, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't tend to agree with these people. Now, in regards to Wendy Rogers, you guys know her. You guys love her. Um, and, uh, you know... Thank you, Connie McKenzie. So Connie McKenzie informed me that Obama passed a bill declaring corporations to be people. And I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned that because there's some things I don't know and or remember. Uh, might have been an executive order. However, I recall Obama doing something, giving them a status of being people. It's just like under Obama, he made propaganda legal, right? Thank you so much, Connie McKenzie. I appreciate that tidbit of information. That's why I love my audience over at the Foxhole app. Um, but again, like, you know, and so now and now and now Dominion has standing, right? Dominion has standing. And that's something that you would have to dig into or remember or have or have uh, jotted that down in a journal some years ago to recall. Um, but again, you know, so that, I mean, that makes sense. That makes a hundred percent sense why Dominion feels like they can go that route and take that cause and use it against the people because dang, Obama was a pretty backwards and, uh, and, uh, treasonous president. If you don't know, you might found out, find out someday impeach 44 is what some people are saying this day. I mean, if you can impeach someone post-presidency, let's get Obama, Bush, and Clinton, and every other Yahoo out there that's been working against America. But let me tell you someone who's not working against America. That is Wendy Rogers, senator of Arizona. Now, because of the fact that the action that the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors and Dominion took, you know, they're totally hold, they should be held in contempt of court. They've totally violated the subpoena. They're totally um, rebelling. They're, they're being unlawful. 
Uh, but the Arizona Senate is not currently in session, and that's another reason why Dominion and the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors felt that this entire subpoena was unconstitutional because the Senate is not in session. Um, and then let's not forget, guys, should the Senate decide to go ahead and hold a hearing and hold a vote to hold Maricopa in contempt, you have two state senators that are working against them. Do you guys remember what two state senators are working against the American people, the Constitution and election integrity in the state of Arizona? That would be Senator Michelle uh, Rita, was it Ugenti Rita, and also Senator Paul Boyer. Those two senators, Paul Boyer and Michelle Ugentier-Rita, they are totally against election integrity. They're totally against the election audit in the state of Arizona. So even if the Senate decided to try and hold a hearing to hold Maricopa County Board of Supervisors in contempt, you know Michelle and Paul would not be voting for it. And so there's no point, right? Because they're going to vote against it. It'll be a waste of time. But Wendy Rogers, senator of the state of Arizona, has said we are undaunted and we are undeterred and we will pursue more formal action here in the next day or so. She says, stay tuned and you'll see movement. We definitely will not be stymied. So saith Senator Rogers over in the state of Arizona. And here's another thing to consider as well. Now, I don't normally show Twitter feeds on my show, but you guys got to kind of check out what Wendy Rogers was posting today on her Twitter. Let's take a look at this first one. Now, uh, she shared this. This is from, okay, so uh, this is from, let me see. I don't know who this is from. Boone Cutler. I don't know who that, I don't follow Twitter handles and I don't follow Twitter feeds. And I'm not like one of those people that's like, ooh, so-and-so said this, but. Uh, this guy's talking about Code Monkey Z. Now, I mean, I know a little bit about Code Monkey. I'm not a huge Code Monkey follower, as you guys know. I, I got into the, I learned about Q late in the game, but apparently this guy's involved in Q. Uh, but apparently, Code Monkey Z, apparently, he's a computer genius who's helped expose election audit fraud. I don't know about Code Monkey Z exposing a lot of election audit fraud. I know about people like Matthew DiPerno. I know about people like uh, 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 Garland Favrito. I know about them exposing election fraud. I think I know about Code Monkey Z sharing the stories. And then, you know, but anyways, uh, uh, according to this, it says from Code Monkey Z, our whistleblower is not from Arizona. Our whistleblower is from one of the many other states that use Dominion software. Our whistleblower went to excruciating effort to detail and archive everything possible. Our whistleblower was trusted enough to be given instructions on how to modify the uh, BI operating system. Today, we will know what is behind the supervisor password. Today, we will know why they are hiding the router. Our whistleblower is a hero. Our whistleblower is a patriot. Our whistleblower had access to passwords. Our whistleblower uh, took pictures of what was locked behind those passwords. Our whistleblower had access to the election management systems and servers. Our whistleblower had access to the adjudication clients. Our whistleblower had access to the image cast central workstations. Our whistleblower had access to the supervisor password. Our whistleblower risked his life. Our whistleblower risked his livelihood. Our whistleblower risked everything. So saith Code Monkey Z. 
I share this with you because this has been shared by Wendy Rogers. I'd expect that she knows something more. I guess this is an image of what the whistleblower had. Kind of reminds me of the uh, data banks that were erased, that were shared by President Trump and other people in this fight. And then, of course, this looks like uh, a, a reference guide or a blueprint or a how-to when it comes to entering that BI operating system and the election management system. So apparently, you know, uh, when you kind of think about it, uh, there are hackers and hackers do hack. So we had what, uh, the representative of Cypher, Cypher also being part of the Cyber Ninjas outfit that was part of this, uh, audit for the elections in Arizona. He had said that they were able to reconstruct and to put together all of that data that was erased, the databanks that they erased. He said that that was able to be put together. So he on that end has that information, right? Now, apparently through these hackers, they were able to get into uh, the Dominion uh, locked passwords for the county of Maricopa in regards to the EMS system. So perhaps it'll be this. Perhaps you'll have what I think his name was Ben Douglas, maybe, or no, Douglas is the guy from Cyber Ninjas. Uh, but the dude from Cypher, they'll have his data. Then they'll have the hacked data that came from, I guess, whomever Code Monkey Z's whistleblower was. And perhaps they will make a, uh, they will be able to compare notes. Perhaps they'll have a cooperation. Perhaps through two independent entities, they will be able to show that even though Dominion has decided not to participate in these subpoenas and they've decided to be in dereliction of court, to be defying the court, that between what Cypher was able to put together and what they were able to get through the hack of the whistleblower through Code Monkey Z and whoever outfit this code guy is working for, that they will be able to cooperate the evidence and they will be able to show beyond the shadow of a doubt that this is what was behind the Dominion uh, Dominion uh, locked passwords, and they can use that. And in, in since you know, obviously, Dominion Mar Maricopa County don't have the balls to lay out those passwords and show them what exactly is going on. Now, that again came from the Twitter feed of one Wendy Rogers. Now, that's not all that she had. Uh, let me see. There was something else that caught my fancy with Wendy Rogers in regards to this. We're not we're not talking about this laughing man, whoever that is here. Uh, Wendy Rogers said, um, uh, I don't know who that is. Josh Sanders. He him is. OK, uh, there was another one here. What was it? Oh, here. I truly don't think I will last much longer at this uh, woke. To oh, she's saying that she might get kicked out of uh, Twitter. <laughs> Wendy Rogers. We love her. Oh, what was the other one? She's probably added more. Oh, she's added more since I've been on. That's why I can't find it. Let me see what else there is here. There was something else um, she had posted here. Uh, let's see. Uh, the complete disrespect to the Arizona Senate. And to the Arizona voters is disturbing. That's from Jack Sellers and from Maricopa in regards to the letters that they sent out. Um, she called uh, Maricopa's reply a BS response. Um, let's see. What is this? Oh, I haven't seen this. Based on today's response from Maricopa County and Dominion, it appears we will soon secure. Oh, sorry. Let me expand this for you guys. It appears we will soon secure copies of ballot envelopes and critical voter registration information. That is progress. And the final audit report will be better because of it. Maricopa County's slow walk to the Senate public records request into a possible breach of the voter registration server is frustrating. And we will try to be patient and give 
the county more time to comply as they requested. We are weighing our options for securing access to the routers and passwords and will make a thoughtful decision in due course after conferring with my staff, council, and colleagues. It is unfortunate the non-compliance by the Maricopa, by the county, and Dominion continues to delay the results and breeds distrust. We remain committed to ensuring election integrity as voter confidence is at the heart of what we set out to achieve in this endeavor our constituents deserve no less. And guys, this is what I'm talking about. Like when we're talking about long game, when I'm saying what is the remedy to everything that we're seeing, our remedy is actually getting involved in the, uh, you know, the election process at local level and then actually entering into the game ourselves. I think the roadmap that Karen Fan is presenting, you see how she's doing this? This is like, gah, like, why are you dealing with this, Karen Fan? Like, why are you just putting out all of these statements? Well, let me tell you why, guys. It's because it's all on paper right now. And by doing this, it's laying out the paper trail. And it's letting us know that, yes, this is going to take time, but unless they drop a bomb or do something to that extent, like, we're going to have to fight the way that they fight. We're going to have to take it to them the way that they take it to them. We can't just show up to our legislative, our elected official and yell in their face. We can't just show up and yell at them and point a gun at them and say, do it now. We love America. That would just be ridiculous. That would make us the enemies. We have to play the game that they are playing. And the game would be us getting involved in our elections and us also running in our elections ourselves. That is the game that they played. They've instilled it in all of their people from uh, city council through sheriff, through AG, through uh, land commissioner. That's the game that they played because they knew that that was the only way that we Americans would not pay attention because we think that people that we elect are doing it in our interest. Well, little did we know, bomb, 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 that it was never in our interest. And they were always playing that game to usurp this country underneath our sleeping noses. So you see Karen Fan is playing the long game. She's putting out very respectable, professional, uh, you know, civil and proper pieces of uh, communication and legislation and litigation in order to combat that. And, you know, if we ourselves are not going to get involved in actual elections at the local level, if we ourselves are not going to run for local office, then the least that we could do is support them vocally, financially, and also uh, by spreading the word about them. Because in the end, they can only make those moves if they know they have the presence behind them to support them, to back them up. Because how do the globalists get away with it? They get, they get away with it through the mind-controlling media um, um, machine. And because that media machine blankets over everyone so widely, those who are asleep will believe it. Well, they need enough people awake behind them to move forward when they make these moves. So this way, if something happens to them, if something goes crosswise, at least there's enough people awake behind them to fight against what is happening. It's a huge picture, you know. So right now, that's what I see is happening. Karen Fan is playing the long game. Because she could just come out and be like, there, but you guys, we're actually going to play an interview with Karen Fan next. And I've been sitting on this interview with Karen Fan for like three weeks. And we need, it's about time that I shared it with you guys. Um, it's about time I shared it. And some of you guys may have seen it already. Now, you know, I had a brief moment, a respite of like, what is this woman doing? But 
we're going to listen to an interview with Karen Fan now. And this interview, it, it's a deep interview. Like they ask her questions and she answers them hardball. And she answers them in a very, I would say a very bipartisan way or a nonpartisan way. It, the way she answers her questions reminds me of the way the legal system is supposed to work. And that is being blind to justice and allowing the facts to speak. No emotion, no party politics, just the way it should be. So with all of that in mind and with the response that Karen Fan just gave in, in, uh, in regards to how the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, as well as Dominion, are basically defying these subpoenas and defying these court orders. And her response to that, which is not emotional, it's not emotional. It's very, very, you know, neutral on point and just fact of matter and law. We're going to listen to this era, this, uh, this, um, this interview with uh, Karen Fan. Again, I've been sitting on this for three weeks or so. You guys might have heard it, but we have not played it here on the Sea Report, and we're going to play it now. So uh, sit back, spell guys, get your drinks, get your snacks. This is a really erudite and uh, I would say on point, concise interview with Karen Fan in regards to what's going on in Arizona. And it answers a lot of questions that some of us might have in regards to the process that is being played out in that state. So here we go, guys. This is Karen Fan with the Western Journal. Uh, enjoy this interview, y'all. A couple of questions right off the bat about uh, last week's hearing and some of the sort of fallout that's, that's come, some of the, the information and maybe misinformation in some cases. There are two questions that are, have really been uh, big, I think. One is about the 74,000 uh, mail-in ballots, theoretically, or absentee ballots, that uh, apparently there's no record of having received requests for those. Can you tell me where your thinking is on that now? How much of a problem is that? Is it a problem? And uh, where do you think that might wind up? So let me back up on this conversation just to bleed into exactly how we got to this point. Uh, the audit, which is the first of its kind in its nation, um, no one has ever done this. So it's been quite the quite the experience for the auditors. Uh, initially, they thought it was going to take four or five weeks to get this done. Uh, and it's actually we're into our third month already. Why is that is because, first of all, it's never been done. And so they're learning new tricks and tools and everything else that they need to be able to get this done down to a more efficient process. Um, so the next state that does it, it's going to be a piece of cake for them. But um, so it's been a challenge. But what has been more of a challenge is the fact that Maricopa County has intentionally done everything in their power to sabotage it, to withhold information, to be less than honest with the, with the public about this. And so it's created a huge problem. When we talk about things that they have not turned over in the subpoena at all, things that they have uh, trying to say, we're not going to give you the routers because it might jeopardize a deputy sheriff, that is a total misinformation. Um, and if they thought that it was so critical, which it's not, but if they did, why is the Maricopa County Sheriff's Department sharing the same routers with the election departments and a couple of other departments? Mm -hmm. When you have Katie Hobbs that is saying, I'm not going to certify these machines anymore, and therefore uh, Maricopa County says, yeah, well, we're going to buy you know almost $3 million worth of machines and build a Senate for it, that makes no sense either. 
because she says she can't certify as to whether they were tampered with by the auditors. Well, first of all, the people that the auditors that are working on the machines, it's called Cypher, they are not only qualified, but Ben Cotton is also a certified expert witness with the courts. Mm -hmm. Then on top of that, think about what she just said. She can't certify that we, they weren't messed with. If that's the case, then how did Pro V and V or the other companies, how did they certify the machines to begin with before the election happened right. and certify the machines after the election to make sure there was no internet? So as you can see, they're, they're starting to stumble over their own words and not making sense. So along with that, so not only has the, uh, the auditors had problems and us getting the information we can from Maricopa County, they have purposely, you know, they withheld the blue tally sheets. We have not gotten the chain of custody. We have not gotten the routers, the passcodes, the, the fobs. Um, interesting what we did find out as Thursday's hearing is that they don't have the passwords. Mm -hmm. The only people that have the passwords is Dominion. So Maricopa County doesn't even have control over their own election systems. Only Dominion has those passwords. And they have 24-hour day access to those computers. Come and go as you want. Not saying that they've done anything wrong. And I'm certainly not picking on them. We have no reason to believe they did something. But the mere fact is at this point, what we do know is Maricopa County didn't have control over their own election system. It opens up the possibility. It opens up that possibility. So, and that should never be that way. What we have found also is that the password hasn't been changed in two years and multiple people are sharing the password. I had somebody that worked at the election uh uh, place down there and said, oh, yeah, it was not unusual for somebody to yell across the room and say, hey, Joe, what was that password again? And he'd yell it back. That's not secure. That's yeah. not secure. So uh, so it has taken a long time. We originally did not even want to put any results out until the final report because an audit is an audit. Right. Whatever the numbers are, that's what the numbers are. The reason why we had to do this hearing last Thursday is because the public needed a lot of answer. What's taking so long? Where are we at in the process? So we had to explain exactly what was taking so long. We had to explain that we haven't gotten the chain of custody. We haven't gotten any. However, the minute those ballots showed up on our doorstep, and don't forget the hundreds of thousands of dollars that of extra tax dollars that have gone to pay for this because Maricopa County refused to let us do it at their facility. So we had to rent the Coliseum. We have had to pay for 24 hour security indoors and outdoors for this entire time to make sure those ballots are secure. The equipment that needed to be purchased to do the audit, but to be able to do a 24 seven live streaming so everybody could see these at every given time. Um, the ballots, when they showed up, literally they are in boxes that are literally just stuffed in there. Um, they're, they're not, they're supposed to be organized. They're supposed to be these pink sheets between that says there's certain numbers there, a uh, certain number of ballots there. They weren't. They were some. We, there was three pink sheets stuck together there. We've had ballots stuck down the side of it. So the auditor, literally, in trying to preserve everything the exactly way it is, had to like very carefully take those out to do what we needed to make sure we put them back exactly as we found them, even though it was a mess. Uh, we found a number of other things. Those ballots should have been turned over the treasure for security many, many, many weeks ago, and they weren't. Mm -hmm. um, 
We know that those ballots, the boxes should be secured with security tape. They're not. They were just plain uh, packing tape sort of thing. Um, just so you know, we are returning them better than we had. They will have security tapes on them so that we will know if anybody tampered with them. Um, so when we get to the numbers, to your question, is when the vendor gave us the numbers, this is based on everything that they have come up with to date. And all it is is two and two is not adding up to four. We're not saying that there's any intentional fraud. We are not, they are not saying anything else, but what they're saying is that the numbers are not adding up. Now, is that because there's information that Maricopa County is withholding from us so that we cannot uh, figure out exactly where these ballots are supposed to come from? Or is there a logical explanation? Or are they purposely withholding information because they don't want us to know what the real answer is? Again, I'm not trying to throw um, uh, questions out there in the sense of questioning their motives, but what I will say is that it's apparent they do not want this audit to continue, and they're, they are not cooperating in any way whatsoever. So you said Maricopa County was being less than honest with the public. Are they lying to the Arizona public? Well, I do know for a fact that uh, sup uh, there was a supervisor uh, that um, when we had that hearing back in December with the Judicial Committee, um, we actually choreographed the whole thing the week before, so we made sure nobody was blindsided. And part of that was, is the supervisor was told right up front, please be aware there will be two subpoenas that are going to be already prepared. The chairman is of the committee is going to have them at the end of the committee hearing. Mm -hmm. So, Supervisor, if you don't want to be a part of that, just go ahead and sign off. So that, but I said, if you don't, you know, but here it is, it's going to happen. I don't want you blindsided. Um, he goes, great, Karen. Thank you for that. Monday, we had the hearing. He signed off before the end when we were doing that. They issued the subpoenas. And the next morning, he was quoted in the paper, the media, that uh, um, that he felt like he was slapped in the face. He had no idea these subpoenas were coming. That was a flat out lie. So, Yes. Um, the supervisor, uh, one of the other supervisors, the new chairman had agreed to do a forensic audit with us. Mm -hmm. We had talked about doing this at their facilities, um, not to move those ballots, not to move those machines. And we had agreed to do a forensic, but after they had an executive came back out, I'm understanding he's only one of five votes, sure. but whatever happened in that executive committee, they came back and said, no, we're going to do our own audits and we're going to use Proby and D and SLI. And I said, those aren't forensic auditing companies. They're not even auditing companies. They are authorized to certify the machines. And one of those companies are the company that certified the machines to begin with. So you're hiring somebody to certify their own work. And I said, this is not a forensic audit. This is not tying the numbers together the way an audit would. Another thing is that they uh, they're saying, oh, that, you know, they they didn't want to cooperate with us because these aren't certified auditors auditors. They know full well there are no certified auditors. That was the first thing I did when we started doing this is I called the FEC and I said, can you give me a list of certified auditors that do this kind of work? Here's what's going on. Here's what we want to know. Um, who can? And I was told, Karen, there are no certified auditors. We don't certify auditors. It's never been done before. Who would be certified? Right. 
So they, they do not certify daughters. There aren't any. So that's when it took me down the track of hundreds and hundreds of hours of just making phone calls and trying to track down who maybe has done pieces of this. And, uh, and part of that whole deal is that uh, when we talk about the vendor we, we went with, he does have some experience, even though some of the media is trying to say not, but he does. But remember, he put the team together and all the phone calls I made and the, uh, and the uh, referrals and everything, no one has ever done any of this. They've said, President Fan, you know, we've done this piece on part of an audit here. We've done this. Yeah. We did do this. We have counted ballots over here, you know, to the extent of 2,500. Or we, but nobody does the whole forensic audit, right? So, consequently, um, Cyber Ninjas is one of the firms that came forward and said, "Let me put a team together." And so you see that the team. This is not just him. This is Cipher with Ben uh, with Ben Cotton. This is Wake Technology, who has done um, audits before in the past. It is other forensic analysis people that will um, do the analysis on the ballots themselves. Um, but you're not hearing about that in the right. liberal media, are you? Right, no. Yeah, checking your own work is, I mean, that's how I passed high school French, so I'm kind of in favor of it, but it doesn't seem like a good way to audit an election. So it's I'm not. Lord for that, well, and I'll tell you one, if I also one more, the point I want to make about what, the report that we did, so not only about the 74,000 ballots that we're having questions about, but the boxes that were clearly marked as duplicates. So we, uh, so we know that the procedure is, is if there's a spoiled ballot over here and the, and they have to make a duplicate to make sure it goes through the machine for whatever reason, you're supposed to have corresponding numbers on those. So if this was ballot number one, two, three, four, five, then the duplicate needs to say one, two, three, four, five. So we know that there's only one duplicate ballot and that one duplicate ballot ties to one spoiled ballot. We have all of these thousands of ballots that are we have been identified from Maricopa County. These are duplicate ballots, but there's no corresponding numbers on them. So we can't tell you for sure, are they duplicates or not? And why didn't they follow their own procedures on this one? It makes no sense. Then you end up with all the other questions about Adrian Fontes. When he's out there, remember when he said, oh, if you make a mistake, just take X out the ballots right. or then you know, the, right. uh, your choice and mark a new one. Everybody knows you don't do that. I mean, that's just ludicrous that that was even something that a county recorder would even suggest to begin with. Much less they, what they were trying to do is just send ballots out to everybody. It's it's just ridiculous. Well, and that brings us to another it's kind of a recurring question that, that's come up since the hearing uh, and before that with the so-called Sharpie gate. Mm -hmm. uh, can you explain where the auditors are on that topic and, and where your current thinking is, as far, again, as far as is, is this going to turn out to be a big problem for Maricopa County or do you think this is going to be explainable? Where do you think that is? Well, I think it's a problem in the sense is once again, um, there is mistruths that are being put out there or misstatements. So, for example, we can go back to a, an actual public uh, uh, document that they had on their website and they put out there and said, we only use four types of paper 
for our ballots. And those ballots are, uh, it's a special kind of paper that has, I believe it's a titanium uh, film on it, if you will, um, which actually prevents people from uh, from from the ballots from seeping through on the other right. side, right? Well, we know for a fact by the hearing last Thursday that there is a lot of ballots out there that they mark through. So clearly, and images of them, right? So clearly, that was misinformation when they said we only use four types of paper. We also now have affidavits from people that actually worked at the polls, and because of the on-demand ballots that they print, um, that. They were not using any special papers. As a matter of fact, if they ran out of paper, somebody was sent down to the nearest office supply store to pick up more paper. Wow. So that in itself is, okay, obviously that's not secure paper. Obviously you're going to have bleed-throughs. They originally said, um, well, even if there was bleed-through, it's designed, the ballot's designed so that there's no way we could do it. But you saw Thursday copies of actual ballots that not only bled through, but here was the, the marking for a candidate, and here was the marking for another candidate that apparently bled through from the other side. And and it is within this um, target area of where the machines scan those ballots, which might explain why there were so many more adjudicated ballots this year than ever. Um, I don't have the statistic in front of me, and I cannot even remember where I quote it, but I do remember back in April, there was a statement that was made from Maricopa County that said that there was over 11% adjudicated ballots. Mm -hmm. I'm still trying to find that as my backup to do that, but uh, clearly, uh, that is way more than they have ever, ever had. And so um, that explains that. Sure. But why, so why aren't they talking to us about it? Why aren't they saying, yeah, we do believe there could be these problems here, but they're not. Instead, they've set up a Twitter account right. on social media right. and working in, in concert with the liberal media of trying to cover any mistakes that maybe they had made or anything if... I don't understand why they want to fight this out or do this, trying to defend themselves on a Twitter site, rather than just sit down with us and say, let's go through this and see if we can find some explanations for you. Yeah, you'd think that they just want to get to the bottom of it. You would think so. So, so why don't they? What, what's, the, what, what, what's the motivation? Um, my personal opinion is, as I do believe, um, that the Board of Supervisors, uh, and probably under advice by their attorneys, probably said, we're pretty sure that, uh, that the elections were not done exactly according to the books, mm -hmm. that procedures would fall. And the reason why I believe this is two, two and a half years ago, the Board of Supervisors actually came to me right here in this office and said, we have serious problems with Adrian Fontes in the 2018 election. We're going to hire somebody um, that will be a liaison between the Board of Supervisors and Adrian Fontes to oversee this. So I already know for a fact that there was problems on the 18 and their concerns, not only from within them, but also with the public, all the questions that started coming up back in 18 about a lot of issues. Um, so and then based on everything, the vendor is starting to find about the condition of the ballots and, and everything going on. I believe that maybe their attorney said, you know what, we think there might have been some mm -hmm. missteps going on. I'm not saying intentional. I'm Understood. saying that 
it's very clear that procedures were not followed accordingly. So to, to clarify about 2018, uh, you're not saying that you think the results of the 2018 election were incorrect. You're saying there were uh, some, some abnormalities about how things were handled in 2018 that could lead to something like this, perhaps. That right. could just lead to more questions being asked and un maybe undermine uh, voter confidence in the elections. Absolutely, 100%. Um, we have never, never claimed fraud. We have right. never claimed, as I said, we've never disparaged uh, the computer company or the software company. But what we have said is, yes, in 2018, there were a lot of questions about things that were going on there. And we also know that in 2020, as we saw, there are a lot of questions about what was going on here. The polling that has been done showing that 45% of voters in Arizona think there is a serious problem to the extent that the question even was, do you think there's fraud? Right. So, uh, so I've got to believe that number is going to be even higher because if somebody had said, do you believe that there was fraud at this point? I would have said no because there's no fraud proven. But if 45% actually said yes, then I've got to believe that number's got to be much higher if people think that there was maybe not fraud, but obviously a lot of things that we're not, um, we need answers for. Yeah. Election integrity some, is what this is about. Of, I hate to use the word incompetence, that seems so strong, but some some level of, of uh, malfeasance or yeah, failure to abide by procedure. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So uh, what then would be the next step? Uh, Joe Biden won Arizona, as you know, by fewer than 11,000 votes. Uh, let's just uh, theorize that, uh, hypothetically, that, that the results of this audit call that number of votes or more into question, such that there is reason, and I'm, I realize we're not saying today that there is reason to do that. Uh, and I don't want to. I don't want to mislead anybody. Right. But if that were the case down the road, we have enough information. We say, yeah, there there are twenty thousand votes that are in question. We don't really know what they were supposed to be. What then would the next steps be? I know you're on record as as having said that the uh, the Senate can't just decertify the election. We don't just start over. Donald Trump doesn't take the White House in in August. That's that's not the plan. So what would the next steps look like? Okay, so, um, and to confirm exactly what you said is, um, I would like to still get this on the record as well. Sure. This has never been about Donald Trump. This right. has never been about decertifying the electors. This is about election integrity. This is about a lot of people with a lot of questions, uh, rumors about types of papers that were used, uh, all sorts of things. And the only sole goal that we have at this point right now and have up to this point is to answer those questions. This if, is really more about 2022 than it is about 2020. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, so if there are rumors out there, let's dispel those rumors. No, there were no, you know, nefarious ballots flown in here or, you know, some of the things that were out there. Let's show them that, though, that's not true. Put that out of your mind. It didn't happen. If there were questions about the way ballots were handled or uh, of anything of that nature, then let's uncover it. 
let's fix the problem so that people know next year their votes will be important and they will count and they can trust our system. That's what it's been. Now, the question did come up, well, what if you do find something that would be of a nature that would change the votes? Right. So there's a two-part here, is that it could change the votes, but would it change who they were voted for? Remember, when, when we do a forensic audit, and let's say those votes change, it could be that those votes change, that there are more votes for Biden than they thought sure. there were, right? Sure. I mean, that's what an audit is. The numbers are the numbers. On the flip side, it could show that there were enough problems that maybe Joe Biden didn't win. The mere fact that there was a small margin between the two candidates, that in itself is pretty amazing of all the people that voted. But that's not to say that anybody's right or wrong until we actually do the counts and say, yeah, we confirm that or we dispute that. So if, in fact, to your question, if, in fact, there were enough votes that really would affect the outcome of any races that we are auditing, then the first thing that has to be done is you have to prove that. This is not just a report to a committee or anything else. You know for a fact it's going to go to court because everybody and their mother is going to be taken us to court, right? I mean, that's kind of, it's not the joke, but it's the deal. We're going, if you go, if we have to go to court, make sure we have everything lined up so we can prove everything six ways from Sunday. And everybody says, it's not if, it's when, because we know. So So there we go, guys. Just right now, if you guys are listening to what uh, Senate President Karen Fan is saying, you can't go in there guns a-blazing and just call it fraud. Okay, we have three sides here. We've got the globalists, the Dems, the leftists, and the communists, all those guys who are saying BS, it was not fraud, this did not happen, the elections were secure. Then you got the guys who are going there with their guns blazing, and they're, that's like President Trump. This was fraud. It was fraud. Our election was stolen. Obviously, we as an audience all feel that way. I know I do. I know that this was fraud. I could see it. You could see it. We could all see it, right? So you have the people who are blazing saddles in there. You have Lindell, you have Powell, you have you have senators who are also going there saying this was fraud. But the third side, you have to have a neutral ground. You have to have those who are neutral, who use reason and logic and by I guess you call it bipartisanship if you want to, neutral, like 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 uh, like the law supposed to be blind to justice. This is the stance. This is the angle that Arizona is going in it. Do you think that Karen Fan honestly believes that there was no fraud? Do you hear what she's saying? She's saying she's saying the votes could go and, and, and through this audit, we could find that Biden had more votes than was accounted for. And he was he won by more than 11,000. Now, she's not saying that to get under our skin. She's not saying that to get under my collar. You know, she's saying that because this is the plain neutral fact. That according to an audit, according to the rule of law, like according to justice being blind, you take the facts. You can't go in there with, she can't go in there with the bias. If she goes in there with the bias, you're going to have the left and the globalist and the lamestream media coming down on her like they did on cyber ninjas. So guys, put your guns back in your holsters, okay? Because that's not the angle that these people in Arizona are taking. They're taking a very pragmatic and a very reasonable and a very logical approach that's open-ended, okay? And it and to me, it's a show, okay? To me, she's putting on a show. 
she's doing a damn good job of it because she's making she's making the point that this and because if she were not making the point that this audit could go anywhere you know you know she'd have cnn and msdnc and all of them coming down on them saying well she's a trump supporter or she's this and she's that so she can't just call it for what it is she can't just say it's a fraud even though we know that's what it is she cannot do that because if she does she totally wipes out any credibility that this audit has in the process. If she goes in there and says, we know it's a fraud, we're going to call it like we see it. She can't do that because then she will totally nullify all of the work that they've done because an audit is not about proving sides or proving personal points of view or proving personal opinions or proving personal emotions. An audit is point, it's black and white. An audit will show you what it is. And that's the point that she's taken and that's why i'm sharing this interview with you guys because i want everyone to understand this is the angle that they're going this is long game this is this is this is the into uh, would you say that's the intellectual route this is the long game this is the game where you can't just go bang 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 you're audit you're dead you're treason bang 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 water the tree of liberty you can't do that anymore that's not where we are as a so uh, society that's not where we are as a species we don't just go in there and shoot the enemies we can't do that anymore okay evolve a little if you think that that's what should be done we can't we can't because the enemies have played the long game they've taken they've taken the intellectual path to subdue us and usurp us and enslave us in order for us to get free unless they outright do a whole like you know if they if they want to do an entire extinction of the species an entire you know uh an entire holocaust on the american people that's different if they want to invade our shores and they want to bring their guns and their planes and their soldiers that is different. But the route that they have taken, we have to meet them on the same playing field. And we finally have enough Americans and we finally have enough awake patriots that can do it, that we're doing it. And that's what is happening now. Let's get back to this interview. So you cannot just arbitrarily say, oh, yeah, here's the proof and we're going to do certain like, No, it, there will be a process. And the first process is, is it will go to court. And so that it can be adjudicated either by a judge or a Supreme Court or a jury or anything. Who would that, take that to court? Would the Senate take that to court? Oh, gosh, everybody's going to take it to well, court okay, based on all the follow requests I'm getting. <laughs> I, I'm sure the media will that's take fair. us and then Democrats will take us. That's everybody fair. will, right? Biden will take us to court. Uh, Mark Kelly, everybody. Right. So, yeah, this will be a huge deal. And it will not stop at a, at a low-level court, I should say, just a superior court. It will go on up to, it will be appealed, no doubt. But let's just say hypothetically, hypothetically, right. that it does prove by clear, clear court order that there was a problem with the election. The votes weren't counted correctly. And in fact, that somebody else won other than Biden. Um, then at that point, according to our Constitution and according to our rules, by the House and Senate, can't be just the Senate, it would have to be both bodies that we would call ourselves into session or call a special session if we were already in session for the purpose of putting the question on the board to decertify the electors. And that is an option that can be done, but it has to be done by the House and the Senate. And you have to be able to pass that with at least a simple majority. And in this case, the Senate would be 16 votes 
and in the house would be 31 votes. And I can tell you, we don't have 16 and 31. Okay. If somewhere down the path, if there was a uh, clear convincing evidence, and I, it could take quite some time to get there, sure. that's a huge if, but if it would be, then we would have to get those 16 and 31 votes. Otherwise, there's nothing we can do about it other than fix the election laws to make sure this doesn't happen again next year or any future years. Are there changes you anticipate having to make for 2022 and 2024? Yes, absolutely. Certainly um, just the way the ballots were handled, the chain of custody, um, the way that they were brought in once they were taken out of their security bags and not resecured. Uh, there's a number of those things that we definitely want to look at. Um, questions about the machines, as we mentioned, the passwords and, and who really has control of the election system. It should not be a vendor, no right? So that should be a clear change in, in our statutes. Um, yeah, there's going to be, that's at the very least, which is what we set out to be, first of all, is answer our questions. And those were our questions, and we're getting answers to those so we can make those changes. Okay. And then what do you do? So kind of switching gears a little bit audits over whatever processes are going to be uh, followed are going to be followed through the courts whatever they might be then you can sit back and breathe a sigh of relief and that's behind you what's what's next what would you like to be spending your time on once this is kind of in, in the rearview mirror? No, probably retiring. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will tell you, this is um, this has been tough. Sure. It's been tough on everybody. Um, it has been a, the, the emails have been out of control, um, not just for me, but our members as well. Um, there has been amazing, the good thing is, is there, um, you know, about uh, two thirds of them are nice and they're positive and we're praying for you. And they're all over the country, some from across the, the world, um, saying that there is nothing more important to us than our election integrity. Um, and, and if you think about that, that's really correct, because we vote on people that are supposed to be most aligned with what we want as a society. We want to make sure that they are honest and ethical people. We, they, we want to make sure that if we're going to go to war, we're going to go to war for a good reason. Sure. We want to make sure that our taxes aren't being abused. We want to make sure that we have safe cities and towns and that we're going to have police protection and everything. We don't want corruption. We don't want crime. Now, and look at the basic fundamental rights, our freedom of speech, our freedom of religion, our freedom to bear arms and protect our families, all of that is tied to our votes. Mm -hmm. All of that. Because depending on who we vote for, that is all under attack. And it's very apparent right now with you can see what's going on. The change of regime of what happened from last year to the new regime, it, it, it's, night it's night and day. And so I, it's, this is why this is so important that people know that the elections are always honest and clear and what the people want, want to do. So for that, what I'm going to say is that I'm so thankful and blessed that I'm getting good emails. The third bad emails are really bad. I've never seen so many four and five letter words mm -hmm. um, strung together in one sentence. Um, death threats. Mm -hmm. um, got an envelope with white powder in here. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of it is being stirred up by the liberal media. Um, and it's pretty interesting how it comes. But 
it hurt a lot when it first started out. I'm at the point now where I really don't care that much anymore. Um, it, this is important. It's important for all the best reasons and the good reasons. And no matter what anybody says about it's trying to spin it into something it's not, I know deep down, I know my members know deep down that we have one goal and one goal only, and this is election integrity and I'm trying to do it. So on the note of where I go from here, I'm pretty burnt out right now. Yeah. So you might have to ask me six months from now where Hopefully I'm going. So I was going to ask you, I figured you must be getting threats. Is that uh, anything that you've taken seriously? Is, is Do you have reason to believe that there's, you know, actual danger to, to you or to your members here? Potential actual danger. Um, it, it's escalated. I can tell you when this whole thing first started, they were just kind of side remarks, uh, you know, one thing or another. Um, and then, as I said, then it's kind of escalated a couple of months ago was the white envelope. And so we had to like go through all of the security procedures around here. Um, and luckily they tested it and, realized, and found out it was uh, antihistamine that somebody had ground up into a powder. So it was somebody obviously that was not serious about that. Um, but yes, I noticed that the more that the media uh, ramps this up and the more that there's this information, it does stir up a certain segment of the population. Sure. And I can see the ramping up that was, you know, there was an email last week that said something about my family should should die or something like that. So um, I just turn it all over to DPS. Um, DPS. Now, remember, this is a nationwide slash worldwide thing. So some of these threats are not coming from Arizona sure. people. Uh, one of them came from California. There's a couple that came from other areas. Some it's really hard to track down because it's all internet. And you know what they say about the internet? You just never know where it's coming from. It's true. It's true. Uh, so once it is all said and done, once you have results, uh, audits complete, how do you assure Arizonans, and, and actually to your point, the world, really, uh, that the results of the audit are trustworthy? Uh, where, you know, we, the, the entry point to this whole conversation is sort of around distrust or, or at least questioning whether some of this stuff is trustworthy. So how do you, how do you turn that around? Well, as I, as I said, I've told them all along, you better be able to prove this stuff six ways from Sundays. Yeah. You can't just say this. So... So consequently, everything that they are doing, and I'll go back to the 24-hour filming. Not only is the entire operation under 24-hour filming, but over all of those tables that you saw, if you've seen in the pictures of the hand audit, there are cameras over every one of them. Um, and those cameras have captured every single ballot, every live streaming every time uh, or uh, recording i should say not live streaming but recording every time a ballot was touched it's been watched the whole time so as we have these documents and say these ballots aren't matching this and that and the other when we go to court those all of that data is being preserved so that we can say and under lock and keys so we can take it to the court and say here look for yourself Nobody tampered with anything. Nobody did anything. You know, we saw that these were the problems here. You can do this. And as I said, the, the boxes of the ballots, um, we're putting security tape on them. So we don't want, based on what Maricopa County has done to date, quite honestly, we don't trust them on anything anymore. And I'm sorry to say that, but yeah. when they've done everything in their power to try and sabotage this, then every, there are a lot of people saying, why would you give the ballots back to them? Because they'll mess with them. Well, 
I can't I can't be affording to spend 24 hour security on those ballots for the rest of for how, however. So we need to give them back, but we are putting all the security on it. So we will know if somebody tampered with them. So it seems pretty clear we haven't seen anything that we would say rises to the level of, of uh, criminal activity or even potential criminal activity. Not, no, not yet. Any reason to believe that would change? Have you seen anything that might even hint that would say, oh, we got to look at that one pretty closely there? You know, any, any smoke that might be indicative of a fire, I guess, is what I'm asking. I, I am always very leery about ever, ever jumping out and saying, oh, I think there was fraud or criminal activity or not. Because you really can't do that until you have the proof. You can always say two and two is not adding up to four. You can certainly say, I've got questions because this isn't working out. But to literally accuse somebody of intentionally uh, criminal activity or fraud or something like that, I, I'm always very careful not to jump out and do that because um, nobody should be disparaged that way unless there's proof. Okay. Uh, and I think one last question for you, Senator. Uh, first of all, thank you for all of this time. Uh, very, we're very grateful for it. I think you're clearing up a lot of issues. There is, to your point, a lot of information out there, a lot of misinformation out there, and it's sometimes hard to tell the difference between the two. Can you, so the Western Journal, we lean right. We try to be fair, but we lean right. We make no bones about that. Don't try to hide that at all. Uh, but we have plenty of people who read us who don't, who are, who are, um, they're fair-minded, they're just looking for information. And there are, as I'm sure you know, there are plenty of people even on the left who look at the mainstream media and think, okay, these guys have gone off the deep end. Mm -hmm. What would you say to them? What would you say to a Democrat uh, or, or somebody more liberal, somebody who didn't vote for Donald Trump? Why does this election matter? Why does this audit matter to those folks? Great question, because the sad thing is, is the rhetoric has gotten so high on this that it's very hard to even talk to Democrats about this is right. because they are 100 percent convinced in their mind that uh, that there's no problem with the elections and that, you know, this is all just, you know, the, the right being crazy and doing the things that they call us all the time. Um, so it's very hard because a lot of people are dug in at this point. But for those who really are intelligent and have open minds and truly they may be left, but that doesn't mean that they want the, the, the curtain pulled over their eyes. For those I'm saying, just give us a chance. Give the, the vendors, the auditors a chance um, to show what they come up with or what they don't come up with and then ask them to prove it six ways from Sunday. Mm. And then if they do, then have an open enough mind to say, you know what, I think we do have some problems and we need to fix it. Or if they don't prove it, then fine. You can say, okay, I, I, I don't think that there's any problem and I'll go to the, pro the booths, the voting booths next year and know that there's no problems. Either way, I want them to go to the booth knowing that there is no problems. Right. Regardless of who they're going to vote. Regardless of who. That's exactly you know, right. I have my preferences, but yeah. Yeah. Senator, thank you so much. You're it's welcome. been a real pleasure talking with you. And uh, I really think that our, our viewers, our readers are, are going to get a lot out of this. Uh, there is a sad lack of people who are just talking straight about this topic. And it's uh, I know they're going to find it refreshing to hear directly from you. So thank you again. Thank you very much. It's been an honor. All right, guys. Okay, so thank you all, I'd have to say, for joining me on that interview with uh, Senate President Karen Fan. Now, obviously, um, 
I, I jumped in there just to kind of like, hey, say some things. But, you know, I, I could have definitely taken a black pill moment with Karen Fan, especially uh, especially whenever she was talking about, um, you know, uh, the Senate not having the authority. And I was like, what? Like, really, you put all this work into what you're doing just to tell us that you can't do anything about it are you a traitor are you an operative are you an insider like what is going on karen fan like why would you put all are, are you a plant like you know i mean definitely if you guys tuned into that monday show about three weeks ago aside from being a little under the weather i was like oh my god karen i cannot believe you just said these things you know, but again, um, uh, this is a different route that they are taking. Now, to those of us who are initiated and who know uh, we can figure because we can see the bigger picture of everything that's happening. And you, it's all across every 50 states. And they've been doing this to the Americans for a long time. And it's about time. And if they only knew the Constitution, well, in this divided day and age, you can't just say if they only knew the Constitution, this would never happen because obviously they've made it to where people don't know the Constitution. So from a realistic point of view, this is another route of taking it back. And uh, I mean, also, again, there's discernment, you know, like maybe in the future, I'll be wrong about giving this much uh, uh, leeway towards Karen Fan and what she's saying. And maybe I'll be proven right. But I'm not here to be proven wrong or right. I'm just here to share with you the content and I'll give you my general commentary based on my my general discernment about what I see. But, you know, I'd be hard pressed to see an interview like that, you know, with someone like Kamala Harris or Joe Biden without cuts and edits. And that was straight up a straight up interview. Um, so I would say use your better judgment, use your discernment, trust your gut when it comes to looking at like contact like this. Take it with a grain of salt. You know, uh, because um, some people out there are not are not out to get us. Some people out there are actually fighting for America and our constitutional rights as sovereign individuals to maintain our freedom and liberty and govern ourselves and, you know, uh, um, and to be be our own guides for our personal destination. So that's kind of all I have to say about that. But like I said, I've been sitting on that interview for probably about three weeks. Um, and I just really wanted to share it with you guys. So it would bring in another perspective. I don't know if you guys have seen it or not, but thank you for sitting in on that. I think that there was a lot of interesting information to hear. And I think if anything, perhaps the perspective, perhaps the train of thought, perhaps the way that she's thinking and presenting this information will give us all another avenue for growth when we're considering the course that we're taking to take our country back. It's not going to be just guns and blood in the street, guys. Like, we have to kind of outgrow that percent. We're, we get impatient, you know. We get tired. We get jaded. We get frustrated. I know I have. I know I have. And I've. it's taken me a minute to get off the path of the negative. Let's just go, you know, take our country back. I mean, because there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And I'm not saying that there is any right way or wrong way to do it. 
but the consensus of where we're moving is taking us in a certain direction. And if we were to actually look up to our leaders who have gotten us there, like in the Trump administration, did Donald Trump and the Trump administration just drop the bombs and arrest the people and take them into custody and declare them that they were they were enemies of the state and treasonous? Did you ever see President Trump do that? Now, if we're looking up to that administration as an example, why would we then go do the same to the enemies that we identify as enemies of the country just because they're doing what they're doing? We know what they're doing, but now we have to outsmart them because that's kind of the name of the game. And I know that what I'm saying is not final. I know that what I'm saying is not the entire 100% game. Of course, there's kinetic and there's kinetic war. Of course, there are movements that are happening behind the scenes. Of course, there's even, you know, fighting. And I'm talking like people getting assassinated or people vindicating people, stuff like that. You know, I know that's happening too. I know what I'm saying is not the end all wherewithal of what is happening right now in the process of reclaiming the United States, these, these, these states in this union as our country. But uh, that long game, which is an example, in my opinion, of what we just saw in this interview, is what is happening, you know, and by them taking these steps. And again, we'll see later on if Karen Fan is a plant or a traitor, because about three weeks ago, I would have thought so myself. You guys saw it here on the air yourselves for yourselves. You saw my reaction like uh, we'll find out whether or not that is the case when we're talking about Karen Fan. Uh, we'll find out if if any everything that they did was just a show to appease their constituents to get voted in another year. And then they're just going to drop the entire audit. We will find out. But we're aware and we're awake and we know what's going on so we can do something about it. And indeed, it's the people of Arizona that got them this far to begin with. The people like you and me sitting here listening and watching and talking about this program. The people of Arizona got the audit as far as it has gotten now. And if it's the people who are powering individuals like Karen Fan and Wendy Rogers and all of the rest of them then all we have to do is keep pressing forward, guys, and not worry about the symbolic representatives or the symbolic leaders. If we're the ones who really pushed the Arizona Senate to get as far as they have, then the power is in our court. All right, guys, so we only got a couple more stories. I know we're running into overtime. Oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry that we are. Yes, Arizona is corrupt. We know that, but not all of them, clearly. I mean, is that a blanketing statement? Would you say all humans are corrupt uh, in Nano Mary 1957? Because I would never put a blanket over everyone like that. That's just not fair. You know, that's just not fair. But uh, thank you, Ohio Kimmy. I am glad to be on this journey with all of you guys. So let's go ahead and finish up. We only got a few more stories tonight and then we'll be done. Thanks for hanging out with me late night. Now we're going late night on the C Report, right? Uh, but I had to share that interview with you guys. So anyways, right now who we have on the screen, that is Captain Seth Keschel. Uh, Captain Seth Keschel, that name is getting more and more popular. People are learning more and more about him. As we find out that uh, this this uh, this uh, this gentleman, this individual who is a retired Army intelligence captain, he's also an elections data expert, and he's also a former baseball analyst. Uh, he has been working to uh, to share with us uh, the information based on data, scientific hard fact, 
exactly what the vote should have looked like in 2020 compared to uh, the history, compared to historical data about uh, the way people vote, the amount of people that uh, become registered to vote, uh, the, uh, the percentages for Republicans and Democrats and other parties and certain counties and certain cities and certain municipalities, uh, even talking about the bellwether areas of voting uh, that uh, there's like 19 or 20 of them, like looking at all this hard data from the past to bring that up to exactly and compare it to what happened in 2020 and, and using the data that was given for the 2020 election coup. Like you guys notice, I'm not bipartisan. I'm not playing any strings. It was a coup. It happened, ladies and gentlemen. Like there was a downright flat out coup and theft of this election. So that's what I believe. I'm not going to play, you know, the long game in my uh, discourse to you guys. Okay. Obviously, you know where I stand, but Again, we're just looking at all of the different avenues and factors to expand and broaden our understanding of the things that are going on. And this guy has definitely brought some data to the table that's definitely expanded and been insightful, at least to me. And I'm sure all you guys, you're probably very familiar with Seth Keschel and the work that he's been doing to date. Uh, you know, we talked about him a little bit on Lone Star News this past Saturday and the work that he's shown in the state of Texas as regards to the numbers uh, that did not match up, historically speaking, to the data in the elections for 2020 versus prior years. Uh, now, Seth Keschel has examined the final counts in all 50 states compared to the estimated numbers based on changing states, dynamics and trends to come up with his estimated voter fraud in each state. So we've seen he's done it for each state. And now what he has found in all 50 states, in all 50 of these United States of America, altogether is about a total of 8.1 million votes excessive of historical data. And this total, again, that's 8.1 million votes excess. In other words, that should not have been counted for. Uh, when removed would affirm that Trump indeed was the winner of the 2020 presidential election and that uh, states including Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, Nevada, Arizona, Georgia, and Minnesota in fact went red and did vote for President Trump. Very interesting data. Uh, I'd love to see if, if California was in that number, but according to the data that he presented, we didn't see that. According to Keschel's investigation, there were, conservatively speaking, 8,144,000 excessive votes for Joe Biden. So Joe Biden got more than 8 million votes to the, uh, to the extra uh, from what he should have been. So again, we would have seen what uh, the outcome would have been for President Trump. Now, the votes that he counted in this statistical rally, you know, the way he gathered his data, did not even include votes that might have been flipped electronically by a machine. We're just talking about an extra amount of votes that were coming into the states, whether that be by ballot drop, whether that be by uh, voter registration, uh, whether that be by um, whether that be by ballot harvesting, whether that just all of that was physical hard count. We're not talking about the amount of votes that were flipped in the machines. If you guys were, I'm sure, sure some of you guys saw out there how even on live television they were showing the vote flipping and stuff like that. So really good information. Um, uh, Seth Keschel has a lot. Uh, he has videos, I think, for every state just about now. Uh, we watched one for the state of um, Texas 
um, on Saturday. But speaking of which, uh, actually, let's show you this data right here. Let's go ahead and take a look at the screen. Now, this here shows uh, shows um, where he breaks down the excessive votes for Biden. Again, that's 8,144,000. Um, initially, 73, uh, eight, yeah, initially, 73 million votes uh, were what uh, Joe Biden got. So, uh, again, so uh, what did they say? Uh, Joe Biden won by, what, 81 million, right, or something like that? Well, what he's saying here is that Joe Biden actually had 73 million votes. Uh, that's what his total vote count was, according to the data and statistics it shows right here. Um, so Biden originally had 73 million votes is what should have been polled. But instead, they gave him like, what, 81 or 82 million to win the vote. Um, and again, this is all based on a, a trend analysis of population growth, voter behavior and party registration. Um, it's showing here for the likes like what Alaska thirty two thousand votes, I've seen Alabama thirty two thousand, Alaska nineteen thousand votes extra, uh, Arizona uh, two hundred and ten thousand votes extra. Let's see what some of the real big ones were. What is this? California had one million three hundred forty six thousand extra votes for Biden than he should have had. If that doesn't say California went red, I don't know what does, right? Uh, let's see here. Check this one out. Uh, Illinois, 295,000 extra votes. Georgia, just about just about 300,000, 299,000 votes. Florida was the same. Man, California right now looks like it's the heaviest um, out of all of these. Uh, let's see what's this here. That's just 100,000 extra votes in Nevada for Georgia, 292 extra New York, 257,000 extra in North Carolina, Texas, 675,000 extra votes. Uh, Pennsylvania, 504,000 extra votes for Biden. And, and keep in mind, when we're talking about a state like uh, Georgia, Georgia seeing 299,000 extra votes in Georgia. He won by like 10 or 11,000 votes only, guys. He won by 10 or 11,000 votes only. So when you think about that, when you think about, and this is just from the voter data, not including votes that were flipped, it took the left globalists, it took the globalists, what, 270 to 80,000 votes in order just to catch him up. In other words, in order for Biden just to break even with President Trump, they had to fake 280,000 votes just to break even with Trump. And they could only push him ahead by 10 or 11,000 votes. That's amazing, guys. Same thing in Arizona. In Arizona, he won by what? He won by what? 12,000, 11,000 votes. And they had to push him up 200,000 votes just to break even with President Trump. And then he won by 10,000 votes. That is how many people turned out to vote in the 2020 election that were in favor of the conservative values, the constitutional values, America first, MAGA, whatever you want to call it. But they had to cheat that hard just to get in the head by 10,000 votes. That's like nothing. <laughs> That's like nothing. That data is pretty impressive. It's very interesting. And I think that we should pay attention. Uh, we'll see what's going on now. I would say definitely look up what's going on with uh, Seth Keschel and also the other data because they actually have breakaway groups and also uh, different things that we can do in our own backyard to try and bring this uh, to the attention of our elected representatives. 
I think it's very interesting, guys. Very, very interesting indeed. And it's something that we'll definitely be paying attention to. All right, guys. Let me see what story I got up next. Oh, man. Moving right along, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, look at that face. Look at that face. You know who this guy is. I'm sure uh, some of you people have heard about Judge Andrew Napolitano. Now, okay, to be fair, the headlines that were breaking today, at least in some of the more popular uh, news outlets for individuals to go and peruse, was that uh, Judge Napolitano was accused in a lawsuit of sexually harassing young men at work. Now, very effective clickbait, but if we're going to be fair, the article that just broke today in regards to this was not about Judge Napolitano specifically. Now, in going and researching some of the information surrounding this story, what the article headline should have said was Fox News being sued for ignoring sexual harassment by Judge Napolitano and others in the Fox News organization. That would have been more fair, but the clickbait said Judge Napolitano accused in the lawsuit. Now, guys, I used to be a big fan of Judge Napolitano myself. I used to be a very big fan of him. He, I held him right up there with Judge Jeanine Pirro. Of course, we're coming to find out that all of these snakes are just what they are, and they are misrepresenting themselves and also leading the conservative, patriot, MAGA, America First people off the cliff with them, these Judas goats, right? Okay, so it's very interesting to find out that a lot of these people are really involved in scandal, and there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that really shows their character to be totally 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 um um uh what do you call it totally just uh just wrong like they they are totally misrepresenting who they are based on what they do behind the scenes now if you guys really want to know about judge napolitano and his sexual lawsuits well we'll talk about them for just a minute guys because jesus christ guys like it's pretty bad some of the stuff i read about uh some of these lawsuits with napolitano I, I could not even imagine this man would engage in such activities. Do these activities happen? Yes. Are there people who are prone to these activities that might be judgmentally acceptable to? I don't know, but I'm guessing the answer would be yes. Okay. So, all right. So let's talk a little bit about the allegations against Judge Napolitano, and then we'll talk about the lawsuit against Fox News for, in fact, uh, basically um, overlooking the harassment that's taken place within the doors of Fox News. So this story is a lot different from what they were presenting. And you really have to read the article <laughs> to figure out exactly what's going on here. Now, Judge Napolitano actually faced sexual harassment allegations in September of 2020 by a man, uh, by a man named Charles Corbishley. Now, Charles Corbishley, apparently, okay, so apparently Napolitano's tastes run towards young men, all right? Uh, I mean, I would say, I would say nothing wrong with that if you do it the right way. I mean, woo them, wine them, dine them, don't sexually harass them, don't seize them by the buttocks, don't, you know, don't, don't, I've had that crap happen to me where they're like, oh, hi, and I'm like, yeah, don't touch me, okay? All right, so, you know, that's, you know, the creepy approach, right? The sexual harassment approach. 
that's not the way you go about it. Okay. I mean, most, uh, I mean, if you're looking at gold diggers, they're going to go after you regardless. Right. But if you're looking at people who are hardworking, decent Americans or just decent human beings, they don't want that kind of engagement. They're not seeking to dig the gold out of your pockets and shame on you for assuming that there are people, everyone out there is like that, especially if they're in the L of the gay community, right? Not every gay is like that. They're not just looking for an easy pass to stay at home with poppers and a, 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 a daddy who will feed them what they want and give everything that they want to them. Not everyone is like that, ladies and gentlemen. And apparently Judge Napolitano didn't realize that because, again, he was sued for $10 million by this Charles Corbishley guy. Um, this Charles Corbishley alleged that the uh, sexu- that Judge Napolitano sexually assaulted him in 1987. Um, and uh, he was the criminal defendant and Napolitano was uh, judged... Um, was the judge overseeing his case. That's pretty That's pretty thick stuff right there, guys. But that was not the only one. Uh, Ju- Andrew Napolitano faced a second lawsuit. Okay, he faced a second lawsuit uh, for harassing a waiter. Now, apparently between the years of 2014 and 2017, Andrew Napolitano visited a restaurant in New Jersey where he constantly harassed a waiter. Uh, and, uh, let me see, did I get the name of this guy? I don't think I wrote it down. Let me see here. I think I might have it in my, well, well, well it, it, actually the name of the, the, the guy in the second lawsuit doesn't matter. Okay. I mean, it matters, but whatever, you know? Okay. So, uh, now this lawsuit was, I read the law. I read, I read the lawsuit. I read the filing, the deposition. It was crazy guys. Like I cannot even imagine a man that I respected on Fox news for so long, according to that deposition was doing the things and forcing this guy to do the things to him that he was doing. I was like, dang, Andrew, like, wow. I did not know that you were that kind of a freak. Uh, but you know, you never know. <laughs> you never know when you start getting, and that's why I like to stay out of people's bedrooms, but like it was in the lawsuit and I was like, wow. Um, I, I would never think that this man would engage in that type of activity. Um, I thought he was a respectable man with the wife at home, but apparently not. Um, so anyway, so this lawsuit uh, that we're talking about with Fox News uh, was not specifically about Fox News, uh, about J- Andrew Napolitano. Now, yes, Andrew Napolitano is mentioned in the lawsuit. Larry Kudlow is also mentioned in the lawsuit. And another person is also mentioned in the lawsuit. We'll actually take a look at that in just a minute. Um, but again, uh, uh, the clickbait, you know, I, I clicked on it because it, it, in the Judge Napolitano, uh, sexual harassment, let's read this, but let's tell you the true story. Let's tell you what's really going on here, guys. Okay, so uh, the lawsuit itself was regarding Napolitano, Kudlow, and other members of Fox News staff and the people, the, the corporate heads at Fox News, uh, allowing this type of activity to continue by overlooking it and, and also building a culture of negligence, disrespect, and overlooking the harassment of other employees. So in other words, if you were a rock star at Fox News, they would overlook all of your bad doings and all of the, the, the bad behavior and the harassment that they were performing on other people. So Napolitano could get away with cornering a man in an elevator and, you know, a, a caressing his arms and, and, and telling him that his hands get really dirty. And that my friends is like, 
that is that is uh, that is way more mild than some of the other things that I read in that lawsuit. Okay, <laughs> so, anyways, the lawsuit was filed this morning in New York, accusing Fox News, Fox News of allowing select individuals at the company to harass others at Fox News. Judge Napolitano was singled out, but again, he was not the only one. Um, uh, and uh, let's see, the suit alleged that. Um, uh, let, let's go ahead and pull the lawsuit up, right, real quick, so you guys can see some of what it says now. Okay, so here's the lawsuit. Uh, this is Supreme Court. Okay, Jason Fawcett. That's the guy's name. Now, Jason Fawcett is a third individual, apparently, because you had the first guy in 1987. You had the second guy coming out in 2020 against Napolitano. So Jason Fawcett or John Fawcett. That's his name. John Fawcett right there. John Fawcett is uh, is suing because of something that happened to him with Napolitano, but, but other things. So uh, it says here. Uh, uh, it's saying here, Susan Scott, the CEO, defendant Fox News, that's who she is, uh, likes to boast about implementing a zero policy, a zero tolerance policy for sexual misconduct at Fox News. The zero tolerance policy is fraud. It goes on to say here in section two, and actually I'm going to expand this for you guys a little bit so you can see it better on your screens. There we go. Okay, it says here, um, uh, one of Fox News foremost contributors, Judge Napolitano, has sexually harassed numerous young male employees during his tenure at Fox News. And plaintiff Jason Fawcett at age 27 is one of those young men. Judge Napolitano's misconduct was reported to Fox's Human Resources Department by the plaintiff and others, and senior executives were aware of Judge Napolitano's serial harassment, but Fox took no action whatsoever against Napolitano. So that was one of them. Uh, here's the other one invo involving Larry Kudlow. Uh, the plaintiff joined the Fox Business Channel division within Fox News in 2019 as a production assistant for Fox Business host Lou Dobbs. I like Lou Dobbs. I'm a big fan of Lou Dobbs. Anyways, unfortunately, Mr. Dobbs' show was canceled on February 5th, 2021, and Larry Kudlow was hired later that month and inherited the inherited the production team of Mr. Dobbs. Since February, the plaintiff has worked as an associate producer for Mr. Kudlow. In the months since he arrived, Mr. Kudlow has used ethnic slurs and made sexually inappropriate comments about women in front of multiple staff members, including the paint plaintiff, as well as a senior vice president. Worse still, Mr. Kudlow blocked a congressman from appearing as a guest on his program because of the congressman's race. So clearly, again, and Napolitano was the kick clickbait, but this is bigger. This is a bigger, this is systemic, right? As they like to say, going on at Fox News, showing what the culture is over there and how it's very unacceptable um, and, and just totally offensive and demeaning. And you don't want to work at a place like this. But apparently if you were Kudlow or if you were Napolitano, you could get away with it. But this, this is going to show you more about what was actually going on with this lawsuit. It wasn't just Napolitano sexual harassment and him getting his kicks and his rocks off. This was much deeper than what the, you know, and you, this is much deeper than what it reported. Okay, so here's another one that it was talking about. Uh, shortly after Mr. Kudlow's program was launched, Mr. Kudlow's acting executive producer, uh, who had served under Mr. Dobbs, left Fox Business in order to serve as a senior producer for a Fox News program. His replacement was a woman by the name of Stephanie Freeman. Okay, so it's not even just against men. It's also against a woman, Stephanie Freeman, who has repeatedly discriminated against male staff who worked for Mr. Kudlow, namely by trying to force them to resign or face termination. 
Every man who Miss Freeman forced out of the company has been replaced by a woman, and Miss Freeman has tried to force the plaintiff's resignation or termination. And again, that's plaintiff John Fawcett, a resident of Staten Island, um, who is currently uh, an associate producer of the Kudlow. And then, of course, the rest of the uh, the rest of the uh, lawsuit tells you the specifics of what happened. <laughs> For example, how Napolitano sexually harassed men, which actually he did not receive anywhere near the type of harassment that the former two plaintiffs against Napolitano faced. I mean, Napolitano might have rubbed his, caressed his shoulder and told him he had dirty hands, but the other two guys, uh-uh, those other two guys, those guys really, really, I mean, we're talking like there was bare skin and spanking involved in at least one of those cases with Napolitano and the other guy. So John Fawcett really kind of got off, but at the same time, at least he's standing up for himself and also for the other victims that don't have the guts to come forward because they're afraid of losing their job or they're afraid of being censored. You know, people who just kind of allow the rest of humanity to go down with them. Yeah, those kind of people, not judging, but kind of that's what's going on here. So anyway, so I just thought I'd share that with you guys, that what was going on with Judge Napolitano. What is this here? Who are you? Get off my screen, young man. Okay, Napolitano, and then we got that. Okay, what's next? All right, guys, we're up to our last story for tonight. Again, thank you for hanging in there with me. Um, and uh, so this last story is going to take us to California. <laughs> It's going to take us to California. Yes, yes. Uh, welcome to the Sea Report, Just Josie. This is the way we do it Monday through Friday. <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, let's see what's going on. Now, like I said, guys, we're going to be we're going to be railing against Newsom until he gets recalled here at the Sea Report. So we're going to give you little tidbits and updates as we go along, uh, letting you know what what is happening. Now, uh, the latest development over there in California with <laughs> pardon me. With Governor Gruesome Newscom, um, we have uh, we have um, again he's he's taking it a step forward. He's going a little bit of the extra mile there in California. He is uh, he's telling CDC, "Hey, you call for mask mandates, and I'll raise you the entire state." You know, like we ain't just gonna do it in certain areas. We're gonna do the entire state, CDC. So I don't know what this man is thinking when he's facing a recall in about a month. We're like a month and like what? 12 days away from his recall election. And he's deciding to go ahead and raise the bar and put everyone in California under lockdown. And by, by that, I mean the mandatory masks. Uh, we have the vaccine mandates coming out for government officials, at least government officials there in California. He's not going as far as nipple rings Cuomo over there in New York and starting to give advice to private businesses to require a vaccine uh, uh, showing your papers mandate passport, whatever you want to call it, but he's getting there pretty closely, right? Uh, I think maybe he thinks this is safe for the recall. Like it's okay to make everyone wear their masks again, even though his kid doesn't have to, even though uh, he doesn't do it himself, right? That's Gavin Gruesome Newscom for you. Well, uh, over here we see that there's actually a union and I don't usually side with unions, but I mean, if they're going against Gruesome Newscom, I mean, I guess I'll put it in the headlines. Uh, we have the uh, SEIU 1000, which is a union out of California that is opposing uh, Gruesome Newscom's vaccine order. 
Now, uh, let's hear the uh, SEIU is uh, one of the biggest uh, service. Well, it's, it stands for Service Employees International Union. And it is a labor union that represents almost 1.9 million workers in over 100 occupations in the United States and Canada. The SEIU is focused on organizing workers in three sectors. Those include health care, including hospital, home care and nursing home workers, as well as public services and property services. Now, Richard Lewis Brown, who is the president of SEIU Local 1000, represents some 96,000 employees of the state of California. And on Wednesday, he shared a letter from the union to the California Department of Human, Serv Human Resources objecting to Newsom, uh, Newscom's vaccine mandate. Now, here's the letter. Here's the verbiage of the letter itself. Um, it says cease and desist regarding vaccine confirmation deadline and demand to bargain. SEIU Local 1000 is in recipient of your July 26, 2021 letter that Cal HR intends to implement the governor's plan to immediately require state employees to verify their vaccination status no later than August 2nd, that is today. 2021, this letter serves as a demand to meet and confer and as a formal objection to the implementation deadline until the meet and confer process is completed. Um, throughout the past 18 months uh, the, of the COVID-19 pandemic, state workers have been both on the front lines and forced to adjust to teleworking. During this time, the state has issued hundreds of COVID-related notices to the union and offered to meet and confer over many changes or other matters within the scope of bargaining specifically pertaining to changes in procedures and policies in response to COVID-19 pandemic. Um, let's see here. Uh, let, uh, let me get to the second part of this so we can cut it down a little bit. Okay, it says here, in regards to the change, now this is what they're they're upset about. Uh, this is their angle that they're approaching being uh, in opposition to these new mandates in California. It says, this is a change of the terms and working conditions of our represented employees and requires meeting and conferring with the union prior to implementing the change. The new policy constitutes a unilateral change in violation of the obligation to give notice and the opportunity to meet and confer prior to implementation. This violates the requirements of the Deals Act as confirmed by a PRB decision issued just yesterday. Uh, to be in compliance with the Deals Act requirement, the deadline you have unilaterally set must be told until proper notice is delivered. So that's the angle that this union is going with in regards to these mandates over there in the state of California, what uh, Governor Gruesome Newscom is imposing upon them and so, I mean, you know, I don't generally side with uh, unions, as I'm saying, but I mean, at least they have the power with that many people behind them to try and put up a front against this overreaching, draconian uh, uh, mandate pseudo law that they're trying to force on the rest of America. And I'm glad that there's at least someone in the professional field who is doing this, because it seems like a lot of people, particularly the medical field, do not have what it takes to stand up against this fraud that is the vaccine, the Delta variant, and this whole COVID pandemic. The pandemic is a fraud. The disease is real. The sickness is real, whatever you want to call it. But as we all know, the pandemic is a fraud. 
you know, and, and everything else that is surrounding it is a fraud. The masks are a fraud. The vaccines are deadly experimental um, 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 gene therapy sessions, as well as just deadly experimental um, vaccines that we're using upon humans. Now, it's interesting to note that there are some people who are taking the side of Gavin Newsom, uh, or, or Gavin Grusom Newsom, and, and the CDC, such as uh, this uh, individual by the name of Glenn Staley, who is the president of the Correctional Peace Officers Association. Go figure, right? And he says, Newsom's new vaccine policy is a reasonable compromise that we can get behind. He says, it provides for regular testing at work for those who have chosen not to get vaccinated. This will prevent the spread of the virus among correctional officers and incarcerated individuals alike. And that statement, ladies and gentlemen, sounds like a prepared statement to me. I don't think that's anything that came out of that man's mouth, but maybe his publicist put it down. Another individual by the name of Denise Duncan, who is the president of the United Nurses Association of California, uh, said in a statement that COVID-19 transmissions are high. We're in a fourth surge, and we know that unvaccinated people are suffering the most. Really? I'm not vaccinated, and half of my friends, if not more of them out there, are not vaccinated, and we ain't suffering. Let me tell you what. The only reason why the unvaccinated people would be suffering is because of all of the hardship, tribulation, and duress that the vaccinated and the uh, and the overlords that want to govern us have put us under. That's the only reason why the unvaccinated are suffering. But as far as health goes... We're doing pretty good out here, guys, and uh, we're going to keep on moving forward. Anyways, her statement concludes, this is a forward-thinking order from Gavin Grusom Newscom, which will save lives by protecting patients and caregivers both. Of course, guys, we call that BS lies here at the C-Report because thems is BS lies. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed the C-Report for tonight. I apologize for running a little bit long. Or you know what? Uh, you're welcome if you enjoyed hanging out. I know you guys have all been uh, there in the uh, the foxhole in the in the trenches with us tonight, and uh, I'm perfectly happy to have you all along. So, all right, guys, we will be back tomorrow at 7:30 p.m. Uh, sharply, hopefully, hopefully we'll be here sharply. Uh, in the meantime, uh, if you'd like, make sure you visit us over at thecreport.com always, as well as at um, our anchor.fm station that's uh, anchor.fm slash the C report you can subscribe to the C report at any of your favorite ink uh, any of your favorite podcast platforms if you want to have a listen instead of a visual experience I'm going to release the autos thank you guys for your gold pill donations today I don't quite have because my uh, my chat was being erased as I was going along today so I'll give a shout out to you guys tomorrow for sure on the show for those who donated gold pills. Thank you so much for your support, whether it be by gold pills or through Cash App or by following us through our podcast. So that way we can get some revenue here again, guys. We couldn't do it without you. And I hope to be here for the long haul. And that support definitely helps out in the end. All right, y'all. Uh, uh, the lottos have been released. So you guys go have fun with your scratching. We will see you again tomorrow. And again, thanks for tuning into the C Report and joining me for this broadcast. I love you guys and uh, take care until next time. Mm -hmm.